0: Hello and welcome to episode 211 of the Crate and Crowbar. It is the 20th question mark of October 2017. I certainly don't want to turn around and find out. My name is Chris Thurston and tonight I'm joined by Pip War. Hello. And Tom Francis. Hello. Good evening everybody. Good evening. Hello. (laughs) 18th. 18th? Is it? Is it? Oh Yeah. Wow. Well, actually, by the time people listen to this, it <laughs> will be the 20th. So in some ways, <laughs> we're both right or both wrong, depending on your point of view.
1: Uh, no, but objectively, I'm right. <laughs>
0: objectively, you are correct. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, If you, you know, haven't paying attention to be quite a newsy week. Mm. Newsy week in, in in terms of things we care about.
1: I haven't been paying attention, so I'm just going to be <laughs> That's why informed. I'm
0: looking at you as I say this, Pip. Yes. Um <laughs> so we should start at the top with the hottest, latest Zach Barth's news, which is that he's only gone and done a game again.
2: Yeah. Um Zack Barth is the creator of Infini Factory. No yes 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 <laughs> and uh, we're
0: getting in early with the things we're not sure about what we started saying
2: I suddenly worried that was factorio <laughs> no, no
0: he's infinity um, factory space um.
2: chem infinity factory um and now opus magnum mm. um which looks a lot like a sort of much more um polished and tactile version of space chem in that you are making chemicals kind of but the theming is you're an alchemist or using mm. an, an alchemical device to sort of transmute things, um, in impossible, maybe magical ways. But, uh, on a sort of uh, fine grain level, it's, you're sort of placing like mechanical arms that pick up these molecules and sort of push them into different slots. Mm. Um, and it's all very like polished brass and uh, looks very shiny and nice. Um, and. Uh, you are kind of making a machine that will produce this thing. Um, and so it involves picking things up and rotating them and, uh, fixing them to each other and moving them around. Uh, so it's a Zach-like, which is yeah, the yeah. genre that is named for him. Um,
1: but also maybe a 3D soccer bond. The Alan Hazelden game I'm thinking of where you make molecules by combining different elements mm. as you Oh
0: push yeah. Them yeah. Around. Soccer bond. Yeah. So- what in first space camera soccer bond. Given that they're both about the same thing. Uh, no. Which is an interesting kind of. Mm. I, think I think Space Soccer Game.
1: Bond was the, <laughs> no, no. Uh, that was the year that The Guardian started doing E2 because Keith couldn't get to E3. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, so,
0: that whichever
1: right. year that
2: was. I feel like Space Game was like a long. long Space time Game was
0: 2011. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. 100% because it was one of the first games I reviewed professionally. I think that would
2: be first then. Um, and I didn't really get into space chem um, but for some reason this one is really appealing to me and I think mm. it's just because it looks more physical it looks kind of I'm making a machine that mm. that's doing something um, whereas space chem I think was a bit abstract and uh, therefore felt like programming to me which I do enjoy but I can do programming and have a, a thing at the end of it <laughs> if I just do actual programming uh, rather than playing games that feel like programming but yeah I, I liked Infinity Factory and this feels like um Maybe like a sweet spot between the two where it's got the sort of tactileness of Infinity Factory and the feeling that you're producing this machine and making it efficient and cool, um, but uh simpler to sort of interface with. You know, Infinity Factory is a whole first person game that you're trying to maneuver around and place things in three D space and mm-hmm. that's inherently more complicated than just placing down these levers and stuff. That is um out in early access by the time you hear this, I believe. I think it's the, yeah. I think it is the twentieth or the nineteenth. Um And I think I'm going to play it at early access. Not because, usually I don't do that, usually I wait till games are done, but this one it feels like it's going to be so clear-cut whether I like it or not. (laughs) Like, I need Mm. to play it for like 20 minutes and I'll know for sure whether this is a game for me or it isn't.
1: Mm. So it's called Opus Magnum.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's any logic behind that name. Whether that does that mean something different in Latin than magnum opus? No,
1: I mean, as far as I remember, it's about like the endings and things. Like, there's a certain amount of structural like sense or like how you actually piece a sentence together, but like it's more the endings of the words that dictate their relationship with each other.
3: Right, ah! a
2: magnum maybe, opus. No, but there is, is importance to that. The Magma Opus is, is your grand work, it's
0: right? A great your, work. your biggest. Mm. Whereas this is simply, works great. <laughs> Maybe that's the fun. Like, because yeah. it works great. Yeah. Maybe it's about, if you can rearrange elements in any order and it doesn't matter so much in the game logic, <laughs> uh, then that's a thing. I don't know. I don't have an end to that thought. Just a beginning.
2: Did you, um, you played Infinity Factory more than me, I think, did you? Yes. Did the gifs of this and the trailer of this tingle your Infinity Factory sense? <laughs> um Yes.
0: Like I think it's you're right that it's obviously a Zach like. And I liked InfiniFactory because it was a sort of tactile three D thing and the three D-ness of the environments could be used for sort of slightly different element of puzzle solving beyond pure efficiency or pure understanding. Mm. Um you could not quite jury rig because a lot of the time you you kinda of have to get it right or it's not gonna work. But um there was a scope for solutions to be genuinely, genuinely mad in that <laughs> game. And also, I think uh, the theme had some kind of playfulness to it. Like some of the things you're being asked to do. There was a story in Infinite Factory of all things. So I really liked that. And obviously, this is a move back towards, like, well, it feels like a move back towards kind of more straight up puzzle solving. So I don't know, because my experience has been that every other Zach Baths game is for me, <laughs> right? Like, um, Infinity Factory was, and then the programming game, whose name I've forgotten that we didn't mention. Yeah, it was definitely not. Yeah. So so this is my turn again. So I (laughs) guess, yes, it is. Like, and I am. In answer to your question. Cool.
1: I don't like 3D puzzles. They annoy me. I get cross with them. Well, this feel messy somehow. Two I like d- 2D. <laughs> I thought you said it involved like rotating things and um,
2: like, doing... Yeah, in, in two dimensions. So oh, like, okay. I oh, think you have fine, like then. sort of molecule combinations where you have like a sort of Y shaped arrangement and then it oh, needs I to arrive were, like, in the like, solution in a different way.
1: Going in three do- no. no, I'm into this now. I've <laughs> cool. done a full 180, which is possible in two dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know.
0: Technically, all rotations are possible in two dimensions.
2: And in three. But I did mm. it
1: on one axis.
2: Okay, right, yeah.
1: I wasn't making full use of 3D space, basically. <laughs> I was I was thinking that you would probably pick me up on that. Mm. It was a pedantic thing to do, and I'm I sorry. I was waiting. I was hoping <laughs> that we could, like... I was hoping that maybe you wouldn't twig until after we'd moved on to the next thing. <laughs> Speaking
0: of twigs, there are certainly twigs in the video for the new team fortress update yep are there yes it's like in a jungle
1: oh okay i really haven't i (laughs) i've been in canada i've seen twigs in real you got back a week ago less than a week
0: ago you got back six days ago Thursday. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah but then i was really tired and then i watched league of legends okay like, fine to catch fine, up with fine, things. Fine, fine. and then i was working on like a magazine so i don't have to all right we get it you've got a
2: job <laughs> <laughs> i can find out about them a month later
1: yeah <laughs> That's how this works, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, for a magazine, you need to know even before it happens so that you can have the news in the issue that comes out. <laughs>
1: that <makes it>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst at this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, it's the, I think it's called The Jungle Update or something. Yeah. But it's the, um, uh, it involves a new short, um, which features Saxon Hale, I think for the first time, like yeah. voiced and...
0: First time he's had a voice.
2: Well, the the, com- the TF2 comics characters
0: have been kind of like starting to appear in the shorts. Mm. Um, but this is the first time, given that he's a relatively significant character, this is there. Like, as, the more time that passes, I don't know how funny it is that he is from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> like, as a joke. Uh, he's the, uh, he's one of the sort is of TF2 the- side characters who appears in the comics a lot, who's a, a, a huge shirtless Australian man. And that's basically the joke.
2: And he owns Manco, which is the company that kind of, uh, makes all the weapons that you buy and also, I think, employs both of you or at least one of you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. The mercenaries are working for both sides of Manco, I think. Mm. I can't remember. Those comics are really good, but yeah. yes.
2: There actually is a backstory to this, but <laughs> we just yeah. can't remember
0: it. Um, but yeah, so there's a new TF2 short. It's not as, it's not the best TF2 short. It's just, no, but it's fun
2: it's um about yeti's and the it's sort of to announce a map which is set in a yeti park but all the yeti's are dead now so now it's just mercenary park and um it's just a uh i think it's kind of a jurassic park type of kind of vibe um, yeah they
0: couldn't be like going harder for the jurassic park thing even though that makes no sense because that's not the theme they settle on which is also a very yeah, tf2 like, thing to do
2: started the jurassic park changed it to yeti park killed all the yetis and then just made it a park <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> um but they're doing like it's a proper big update where they're, they're doing sort of um new announcements every day for four days about mm. it and the video um shows uh like it announces this new map uh it also briefly shows a pyro using a jetpack which is exciting um that has not been actually announced yet we're on day two now so day one was like the uh mercenary park level which is valve made plus a whole bunch of uh community made levels that are also jungle themed Mm. so i think they must have like released the sort of assets for jungle stuff early and asked map makers to do that um and i can't remember if there's anything else in day one but day two is like mostly like taunts and things like oh, yeah things. yeah yeah um, uh, where you can like uh destroy a yeti. Oh yeah, those are good actually because they're all like um, cardboard. Destroying a, a, yeah, like a, a wooden um, cutout yeti, and then the scouts one is it um, punches it and just breaks his hand, <laughs> yeah.
0: and then it explodes anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is a, there are also taunts where people turn into yetis, and they do use the slightly wonky yeti model from the yeah it's a short.
2: strange one uh, it looks kind of like a costume doesn't it like it looks kind mm. of jointed in a way that I, I can't tell if that's supposed to imply it's a costume or um it's just a low-res yeti Tom. Just look strange uh day two i was excited about this because i thought like oh cool There's like pirate jetpack there's gonna be all this weapon stuff and then and also like uh in the back of my head was I haven't played tf2 for a long time but i'll come back for this this sounds like worth mm. dipping into for all. um and yeah there'll be some weapons i don't understand but um I can catch up, and then the answer for day two is just like started reading it, and with each new ticket system it mentioned, I got further and further from feeling like I understand anything about TFD. <laughs> it's a they don't even say like it's contracts, and apparently that's the thing I'm supposed to know what what they are. Like if I, I remember player, them, I would know what I a can't remember is. what they are. But there's new contracts, and so here's how it works: you buy a pass for the contracts. Now some contracts are active. And you can choose which contracts you do via a branching tree. And then when you do the contracts, you get another type of ticket that you can then redeem for war paint. And war paint is not paint, and it's also not weapons, and it's also not crates of weapons. It's a kind of third kind of ticket, which you then redeem for any weapon that would then have the paint that would have been in the thing. <laughs> like, it's so abstract. It's, a, it's, it's t- three layers of It's an
1: RPG now.
2: Well... Kind of.
1: Or a loot box RPG. So yeah, they, they
0: went pretty heavy on their loot stuff. Yeah, I mean, their loot box... They were... I mean, that's loot box ground zero, right? <laughs> yeah. You want to talk where this came from?
1: No, but I mean, in terms of the contract, that sounds more like a quest system. It's a lot Like, like an inf- RPG kind of thing.
0: So... I don't know what came first, Dota's battle pass or TF2's well, contract system, uh, okay, but they're basically the same like thing.
1: Because I wondered if it was more like, um, do you remember there was an event in Dota a while back where the Nemesis event where... The, the, Assassin the, the, was assassinating. the Manifold Paradox thing, yeah. No, it was, I think it was called the Nemesis event, that specific part of it, mm. where they had like um, a contract out on particular characters' heads, Right. Right. Yeah. And you would kill them to sort of fill them up in a graveyard or like as part <laughs> of the event. Right. But TF2
2: did this with um the soldier and demo man update. They did both classes at once and had a war going on where like all kills that soldiers made against demo men counted and all demo men kills against soldiers counted and they had a global tally for it. Um so with contracts, it, they are things you do while you're just playing the game normally? Like yeah, the the
0: they're like Cause- achievements. the thing i couldn't figure out
2: was it sounded a lot of it sounded like the old um uh manco robots thing which Mm. was a co-op campaign where you bought a pass to it and then you killed the robots with your friends um and then uh by doing that you earned special loot and stuff that you couldn't get elsewhere and that seems to be this seems to be that same system and they call it a campaign but it it did kind of sound like it was just a thing you do while you're playing the yes. game normally. Cause they, because then they mentioned that it, this one, this time, they have, they support co-op for it, which means that when you're playing with a friend, you can both, uh, both your actions count for each other's contracts. Right. So you can, That's like, cool. That's help a cool
1: yeah, I'm assuming that it's stuff like kill a certain amount of this or do a certain mm. amount of that or use this weapon for this amount of, you know, that kind of thing that then. Yeah, uh, it is, yeah. it is
0: battle passes from Dota That's
1: basically.
2: Great. Um, I'm interested to know if this came from uh, somewhere else or whether it was a Valve invention, this idea that you buy like, uh, you buy the ability for it to matter that you do a certain thing. Yeah, like it's thing you're already doing anyway. Like counter-strikes weapons that track your kills. You mm. um, that's like a really desirable trait in a weapon is it tracks your kills. You could already do the kills. You don't get anything for doing the kills, but you pet you sort of purchase this thing that, um, that just lets you acknowledge that. And obviously the the uh, compendium is like that and. Um, I wonder if it was in Facebook
1: Gaming first, or like casual gaming. Yeah, because um, um, like there's a lot of stuff to do with timed events and in, in things like that, where you know stuff that you would have been doing anyway to keep playing the game suddenly has a window of time where it matters more, and you'll you know you'll maybe get some buffs or incentives to get you playing again in that time. And
2: yeah, because I remember um, Valve said um, tf Two is kind of like their sandbox for this for for stuff they're not sure that doesn't fit anywhere else that they will want to try. And they're always worried that something is going to come along and completely make them irrelevant. So mm. the reason they added unlockable weapons to TF2 in the first place was their World of Warcraft was huge back then. And it looked like MMOs were going to take over the world. And they were like, God, if MMOs take over the world, we've never done item system. We've never done level ups. We've never done anything like that. Let's put something like that in TF2 and try it. And then by the time that was in there and, and running, it looked like free-to-play mobile games were going to take over the world. And they're like, well, we don't have any free-to-play games. Like, how do they work? Let's try that. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if this, like, pass system comes from that.
3: Mm.
0: I think it's also a way of monetizing games where you don't actually sell any kind of content, quote-unquote. Like, TF2 gets closer because weapons actually do change the way you play. Um, but it makes sense for both TF two and like they couldn't sell classes in T F two, right? Like yeah. that kind of thing. Same as characters in Dota. It's like you pay for like the plus version of the game for a while like
1: well it wouldn't be unheard of because in in most other free-to-play mobas you get the free character rotation and then the others you have to earn or buy
0: well exactly but that's i think why um this is the way that they sort of encourage you to spend seven quid every now and then because they don't have that option available to them
1: oh for sure but i'm i'm just saying that it's not that they didn't when they started it's more that you know as Mm. in like it's a way that they could have gone with it and chose not to for reasons and
0: you know. yeah yeah for sure um well yeah i mean i suppose tf2 was never designed with that in mind because it wasn't originally a free-to-play game and although dota was free they, they probably had consider- the probably considered the community would never have taken to it if they'd gone with that model so it would
2: be i think hard with with tf2's classes as well because there's so few of them that they ha- kind of have hard counters like yeah. if you had spies and no pyros it would just be like ah. <laughs> yes exactly so but what, what
0: i mean is if, I, I do think that in terms of in terms of like, I don't know what you'd call it, non-mobile free-to-play, I think this idea of like a timed pass where you spend a couple of quid on a ticket, which makes everything in the game like quote-unquote mean more, yeah. is a Valve thing, I think. I might be wrong about it. Other companies have copied it, but I think it was TF2 and Dota that did it first, but I might be wrong about that, so it's a little bit podcast voice, but um <laughs> I don't think I can think of another company that did it.
1: I think... I mean because well, are you saying outside of like f- free to play and mobile and stuff or
0: yes on mobile? in in sort of in in on these sort of like online service games where like I those think, were,
1: isn't that just because so many of them were just already charging a subscription fee? it was when subscription fees wasn't wasn't the way forward right or weren't the way forward yet. yeah
0: right um I, well, I suppose as as subs fees for mMO started to break down
1: because like if you were paying your subs fee for World of Warcraft and then they were suddenly like yeah, and now we're going to charge you for a Christmas event that's not going to fly whereas maybe if it had been free to play and then they'd charge yeah, you for buy their in. events then you know that that was that that would have been or not would have been that's like retro engineering history but um the fact is there was the like most things weren't free to play at the time except mobile mm. so mm. I think you're not going to find other examples from that.
0: Well, no, but there was things like League of Legends, right, that had, like... It might be
1: interesting if you looked at, like, Asian free-to-play games, like... Mm. Yeah, maybe. uh, MMOs and things like that, because maybe, like, they would have had specific ways to Mm. get money out of people in, like, as part of events rather than just, like, items or... I I don't know. I don't know enough about that scene, but I know that there were different monetization models happening.
2: For sure. Just do complicate matters even more, the thing you get that tracks your contracts is like an iPad, and it's also a cosmetic item, so you can <laughs> just sort of attach it to your character, which is bizarre. Mm. I, I'm kind of curious about this stuff, but I guess I'm probably not going to engage with it because I don't think I'm going to pay for a thing. <laughs> yeah, no. That sounds kind of dumb, considering I've got a crazy amount of value out of T F two without paying hardly anything on it. Um, but... Uh yeah, it just feels weird to spend money on a thing that I don't think I'm going to like. <laughs> yeah, that and- seems
1: like a reasonable consumer <laughs> assessment. <laughs> 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 this company is not trying to be your friend.
2: No, I don't mean like a, from a <laughs> guilt perspective, but just uh it, it seems kind of silly to be like uh stingy about um about TF2 just given how much I've got out of it. Mm.
0: It can be, I think, when you're coming back to a game as well, it's less. you're less likely to get excited about this kind of thing because you're getting a lot of new stuff as it is, right? Like, you don't need to fully invest to feel like you're getting mileage out of simply returning to the game and exploring the new stuff. Also, news this week is Overgrowth is out now.
2: Yeah. I didn't know it wasn't. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. It's been in in some form of access. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say early access. I'm not 100% sure. If it, no, I think it was. It was on Steam Early Access. Um, it's a rabbit kung fu game from Wolfire, um who are some plucky young developers who um, uh, I met uh, God knows how many years ago. Um, and uh, around that time, they decided to put their game overgrowth in with a bunch of other little projects uh, or maybe it was lugaroon the the previous one mm. um and a bunch of other indie games in a thing called the humble indie bundle <laughs> mm. which uh, was pretty the end thing right <laughs> yes now it is um <laughs> Uh, which proved very successful to the point that, um, several of them left the company and sort of made that its own company. Um, but meanwhile, uh, David Rosen and I'm not sure who else, um, has been just continuing work on that same game ever since. Um, and so the entirety of Humble Bundles of Phenomenon has, has started and, and culminated in the recent, um, sale to IGN, uh, in the time it's taken him to finish that game. Um, which is, I think nine years. Um, Jesus. <laughs> uh, and it's out now um it's kind of nuts
0: yeah <laughs> it's a yeah. bizarre game it's a game about anthropomorphic animals kicking the shit out of each other with quite violent hand to hand and weapon based melee combat it's we re- it's weird it's like um it's i mean i played uh, luguru again recently for a pc gamer thing um it's neither Cartoony nor realistic because they're sort of sort of quite realistically drawn but unrealistically proportioned animal people
2: Mm, and the physics is just wildly exaggerated yeah and you
0: couldn't say it was a fully realistic comet system because everyone can jump a million miles in the air because they're rabbits and that's how that works (laughs) and gravity seems quite low a lot of time. so there's a sort of
1: I went to a rabbit show jumping championship.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you've basically got the idea of the game then. Imagine that. I was
1: just thinking that they can't actually jump as high high vertically as they can jump horizontally.
2: What would you say the ratio is there? (laughs) Height to length.
1: (laughs) I am going to go for like two horizontals to one vertical. Okay. So, you know. That's a
2: well-rounded jump.
1: (laughs) Although some of them could jump really high, which as evidenced by their performance on the circuit. (laughs) (laughs) What
2: would you say a human's jumping ratio is? Uh, I feel well, like the humans I can jump. Actually,
1: at- just ran around next to the rabbits. So, to be honest <laughs> you with you, you they weren't them. even jumping.
2: <laughs> I feel like I can jump more than twice as far as I can high.
1: Yeah, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I can jump a good eight times.
2: In Luguru uh, further sorry, the
1: forward than I can up eight. Wow. Yes, eight. I um, can
2: jump a
0: really long way. You wouldn't think very short height. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: really tight hamstrings
0: um, <laughs> pip can only jump when she gets like a context sensitive jump point the level. <laughs> but
2: then it's like i don't have my jump. knees yeah <laughs> does that include if the gap is far enough that you have to kind of cling on to the other side and pull yourself up afterwards like prince of persia
1: oh no i would have said it's from where i you know like in in school when you have to do the the into the sand pit you know
0: the long jump? Yeah. <laughs> In school or the Olympics. No, it's a long jump,
2: <laughs> I mean, like you long can jump.
1: do a long jump without there being a sandpit. That's not one of the conditions of doing a long jump.
2: No, that's true. In Tomb Raider 1, the world was made out of one-meter cubes, mm. and so every jump was either one-meter, two-meters, or three-meters. Uh,
1: that's a long I wouldn't way. know
2: the... I wouldn't swear to the actual figures, but one of them, let's say it was two meters, you could jump and land on your feet, and three meters you could jump, but you'd have to hang on to the other one. But there was actually like a, it was also an engine imitation, but it ended up being a really good level design tool because it meant you were never ambiguous about, can I make that jump? It was always like, Aww. oh, that's clearly three oh, that's clearly two.
1: That's cool.
2: Hmm. And yeah, basically
0: single-handedly uncharted. Uh, uncharted. I was going to say discovered, but I meant, what I meant to say was, well, discovered the uncharted series or <laughs> uncharted the discovered series. <laughs>
1: so this rabbit thing
2: mm. you can jump really fucking high and far i've just killed myself jumping <laughs> just literally yeah. um like rabbits it's sad but sometimes they just <laughs>
0: jump 80 feet in the air and
2: <laughs> god bless their enthusiastic <laughs> it's
0: <hearts>. <laughs>
1: like how if people sometimes people say that if fleas were human sized they could jump over a house from a standing start
0: yeah yeah basically mm. um and it tells quite a serious story of like rabbit Betrayal yeah and violence and vengeance
2: it's, it's got a weird a s- mix of like extremely funny slapstick violence and then like quite, quite serious vicious plot
0: yeah um lugro as well actually um it's like um it's like this the, it's like it's a logical midpoint aesthetically between the film the raid and watership down <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> I haven't
1: um, seen either of those referenced. You I'm so well, today. N- Not
0: Watership Down, Pip. That's the one that surprised me. No,
1: why oh. would I? It's I've heard it's sad.
0: Oh, fair enough.
2: <laughs> yeah. So is the raid actually? Well, there <laughs> bit you of a go. tearjerker.
1: <laughs> the raid of Watership Down. <laughs> I seen similar things happen in both of them. Mm. Cool.
2: Yeah. It's the the highlight
0: feature of, of overgrowth for me. <laughs> My mind has just tried to make the pun, mixed martial arts and mitosis work.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's ambitious. Yeah. It um, doesn't. Uh, the highlight of overgrowth for me is the kind of animation and physics to the movement. Like everything is very... Um, mm. Uh, physics-y in terms of uh your limbs uh actually collide with stuff and when you're running over uneven surfaces they adapt that to that well and you pick up momentum um reminds me almost a little bit of like what i liked about n originally mm-hmm. um way back in the day when platformers didn't have so much uh, the yeah. way of momentum it's uh, if you're running like downhill um or if you sort of do a jump and then you land on a downward slope, uh, you can pick up insane speed and you see your little legs just going absolutely crazy because they have to keep up with the, the real speed you're you're going. Whereas a sort of more traditional approach would be uh, the player has a speed of 15 and that means the animation will look good at this yeah, uh, yeah. rate and we've checked that. Whereas this is like the physics system decides how fast you're moving and what's happening and the animation system just has to deal with it. It's like, oh fuck, i have to make the legs happen. Um, and yeah, you can do that to the point that you just literally... Kill yourself. <laughs> just break your legs on the ground and <laughs> smash yourself around the, the scenery. And because that's what I enjoy about it, that's that's what happened to me. I just killed myself <laughs> multiple times.
0: Do you ever have that stress dream where you're running downhill and can't stop? No. Okay. I thought that was the thing everyone does. <laughs> that's just me then.
1: You could have gone with mixed MMA tosis or <laughs> mixed MA tosis. <laughs>
0: Mixed Matosis is the one that works, I think.
1: Well, it's it, it's because <laughs> you might go with mixed MMA Matosis. <laughs> be because mixed maybe doesn't work in the. I yeah, need but to doesn't the first M
0: in MMA stand for mixed?
1: Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like M Y, you could mm, like because mm. you're not going with mixed. Mato- you know, like I. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure which would work better. I would. I Are mean, you could go test for the fighting this. game
0: community thing? and Go for like mix up a mitosis? I don't know. <laughs> Um, We need
1: to A-B test this one. We
0: do. um, Or not at all. Um, No, so you don't ever have that thing where you fear that you'll go downhill and keep accelerating until you die?
2: No, I did actually... I once ran down like a, a jetty, um, for boats that was sloped like that when I was quite young and I fell forwards and just like scraped all the skin off my chest. Oh. <laughs> it was like one of the worst I injuries. Just, I just clenched I had as a everywhere. Kid. And, um, so I should have a fear of running too fast downhill, <laughs> but it doesn't come up in my dreams.
1: So what is it called overgrowth? I
2: don't know. <laughs> well, actually, no, these rabbits are far too big. They should not be that big. Oh, okay. Much smaller. Take them through a vet.
0: <laughs> so,
1: it's so this
0: meat. rabbit is far too big and it's wearing trousers that's the, that's
1: <laughs> the, so there's no plants or anything it's not like that kind of overgrowth
2: um, it is set in some natural environments but actually yeah I don't can't really speak for the sort of the story campaign um, uh, I played it most sort of I don't know four years ago or something relatively late in development a mere four years ago um, and the version I played had these really cool actually surreal environments where they're sort of like um natural terrain, like uh, grassy hills or uh, weird uh red mountains, but then the actual structures you 're kind of playing on where it would be these big geometric um stacks of cubes and stuff arranged in a sort of not very um uh functional way like mm. you know, very sort of arty and I think it was a kind of a platforming test because it 's also got like uh, parkour and uh, clambering and all this stuff um and messing around and that was kind of fun mm. It seems to be going down well actually. Um uh it uh was on the front page of Steam at least and have um checked yeah, whether it was in the top sellers, but um uh the tweet announcing it was full of like people just going, Oh my god, I can't believe people were saying like you know uh someone saying this is the first game I ever bought. <laughs> like, <laughs> and now it's out. Eight years ago, yeah.
0: Jeez. Well congratulations to them yeah. on finishing a game
2: I thought was finished. <laughs>
1: I wonder how they knew it was finally done. I wonder mm. what kicks in after I think, that long. I think the
2: story campaign was the last thing to be made. Oh, so it was like I the see. game mechanics were all there for a long time and then that was just a certain amount mm. of content that had to be huh. hammered up. So, sadder news,
0: um and, and pretty, I guess big news this week is the closure of Visceral, who are the company that made the Dead Space series and were well, most recently working on a Star Wars game for EA they they were announced alongside EA's announcement that they had the Star Wars license and this is the game as yet unnamed that Amy Hennig of the Uncharted games went on to do um and I had you know a little bit of buzz they hadn't shown very much other than like some nice you know like 3 seconds of a game at some point of a man in a coat walking through a town with a huge star destroyer hanging over it. Um, but visceral are all of a sudden no more. And the game is being, I don't, well, I have a quote to hand. Uh, so the game is being shifted towards a, uh, like a less linear experience to read the full quote.
1: They're pivoting. Aren't they're they, pivoting. They
0: are pivoting. So let's read the full quote. It was shaping up to be a story based linear adventure game. Throughout the development process, we've been testing the game concept with players, listening to the feedback about what and how they want to play, and closely tracking fundamental shifts in the marketplace. It has become clear that to deliver an experience that players will want to come back to and enjoy for a long time to come, we needed to pivot the design. Gotta pivot that design. You just, Some days you just gotta pivot a design.
2: I like the mention of like player feedback and marketing trends one after the other there. Yeah. It feels like it's yep. a license for them to sort of actually obey the market trends, but blame it on the players. <laughs> like, yeah, well, People were so, crying out for it to yeah. be. Uh... It feels
0: very pointed this week because everyone's saying, like, "No, there's no confirmation this is now means it's going to be an open world game or something. But everyone's thinking along those lines.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it, uh, a lot of the reaction to it has been like, a single player game's dead, which is a, a line that's been trotted out. No, it's um, just that single player time. games will have loot boxes in them. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Well, or, I mean, or there'll be a different value proposition because if it's more worthwhile in terms of the financial return for a company that has shareholders or whatever, like, if they're going to spend that much time and energy on something and they could choose between a single player thing that people will play maybe once or twice, Or a thing where people will theoretically sink a 100 hours into and come back loads and, you know, maybe in the manner of Overwatch persuade their friends to get into or in the manner of any other game, you know, like if it isn't paid to start with, like, you know, season passes and loot boxes and cosmetics and all of the others. I mean, it makes it makes business. one of the interesting things for me in that thing is. As you pointed out, there's the, there's the kind of like the implicit linking of the player feedback and the final result, but also there's an element of they say, Oh, well, we've heard what people want. But then they don't actually say that what people want is to come back to it lots and lots. (laughs) They've just said that in order to make people come back Mm. lots and lots, we need it to not be this format. And Mm. so it's like it's actually a really interesting exercise in phrasing. Like I would use that from, you know, for an English language, paper. you know, like I think you could properly dig into that for, for a GCSE and like, you know, the way that language is structured and how you can manipulate it. So, Mm. yeah,
0: I think it's interesting because this is happening the same, you know, a couple of weeks before Battlefront two comes out. Battlefront 1 was a game that was very much sort of service game, season pass, uh, no single player proportion, like designed to be a game that you pay for once, then you pay for again and you return to. Battlefront 2 has a linear single player campaign as a result of player demand based on Mm. the first game, or basically as a result of John Boyega (laughs) demanding it on Twitter. Um, And uh, it has a multiplayer component that doesn't have a season pass where the updates will be free, but it's supported by loot boxes. We spoke on the last episode about some of the concerns about those loot boxes. But the the thing about this, which is weird, apart from the fact that it implies that different parts of EA EA aren't talking to each other, which would not exactly be news, um, is that um, if you want your single-player game campaigns, pray they have a multiplayer mode. Because if they don't have a multiplayer mode, then apparently there is pressure on publishers to find a way of getting longevity and uh, microtransactions and things into the single player, which is presumably pushing things towards open worlds and RPG mechanics and collectibles and loot, things that will sustain loot boxes. Um Whereas, as far as I can tell, there is no, like, Battlefront's microtransaction system has no bearing on its single player, which is the kind of thing people want when they talk about a single player campaign. So it's sort of interesting to me that, like, The best fate for a single-player campaign is to be bolted (laughs) to a kind of feature-rich multiplayer service game, because otherwise those business practices will just see feed through into the single-player campaign itself, which is also true of the Mass Effect series, right? Like yeah. when that gained multiplayer as a vehicle for microtransactions, and those microtransactions then didn't touch the single player campaign, and that's that. I'm glad that happened, right? I'm glad they weren't selling loot boxes and things for the single player version of that game.
2: There was a little bit of like um, exclusive armor and stuff if you pre-ordered. Yeah, you well, they sold some... DLC for the single player, right? Yeah. And that
0: had new loot packs and stuff. but not nothing like a random box of stuff. And now you've like got, Tally's got a hat on or something, right? Like <laughs> they didn't do that precisely. Whereas they did sell loot boxes for the multiplayer modes. it's just an interesting thing, right? Like, um, I don't know what they're going to pivot this role's game towards being, but it does kind of suck a bit, particularly because they'd hired people like Amy Hennig, who's, um, who's known, who is known for storytelling and is known yeah. for kind of this kind of linear storytelling.
2: And I think they said it would be a different lead. Like they, they said they're hmm. still talking to uh, to Amy Hennig about what her, I think her position they will be. It was but
1: like Steve, someone. A um, uh, Steve. <laughs> as in, I think that Kotaku had like a, you know, a leaked email or right. something with, you know, an update on the, you know, who would be leading the team and stuff like that. So I apologize Steve. if that Steve isn't your
0: Wars. name. <laughs> a relative of Pips, maybe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I apologize if you are not Steve, uh, but I think you might be.
0: Apology that all non-Steves, yeah. When they announced it, it sounded like they they kind of wanted a uh, Star Wars Uncharted, which would be the yeah. thing you would hire Amy Henning to make. <laughs> and now it sounds like they don't want that anymore. They like, did uh, Uncharted four underperform. I don't think it did. Right? Don't know. I just wonder was- uh, when when, uh, when the industry responds to one of these things. I always wonder if like you like we you said last week like you know if the the reason for loot boxes being so all the rage at the moment is a GDC talk three years ago. <laughs> Was there a GDC talk like two years ago about like, <laughs> don't make this. <laughs> don't
2: make <laughs> Uncharted. Yeah. I, don't
1: know, I feel like something that is interesting though, is that if these companies are, you know, if, if thing spends a while in development and the market seems to be shifting and they want to pursue what they think is going to be a sort of an ongoing trend towards, for example, these games as services and things that need to be hungry to the point of vampiric for your time so that they can also feast on your lovely wallet. <laughs> um, like, is it, is it going to be a, a cause for concern that companies who did that gearbox with Battleborn and, uh, Cliffy Bee's company whose name escapes me right now? Boss key. That's the one, uh, with Lawbreakers, like, both of which were it followed that model kind of
0: uh well um lord is very much the overwatch model
1: well yeah and you know they both had like a base price right but they would have had you know the uh, you know they're they're built with the capacity to have that longevity and to have new modes new you know Mm. new uh things like definitely there was a cosmetic element in um in battleborn and a premium currency and things like that Mm. and i'm not sure about lawbreakers but
0: um the only reason i bring up this distinction is that um i think battleborn was its own thing to some extent because it had premium currency and also paying for the game and that kind of thing whereas um
1: but so does overwatch
0: no it doesn't overwatch doesn't have pay
1: for the game and you
0: yeah, there's a I loot boxes. You do, but there's um, I I uh, so this might be splitting hairs, but I I do think the Overwatch model has been specifically copied by games that didn't necessarily have like a full currency and a full internal kind of like like uh, XP boosters and, and things like that. But um, what
1: I'm I'm not saying that like I'm not saying that it was being Overwatch. What I'm saying is that if people are hitching their wagon to this particular game format mm-hmm. star then you know the fact that two games that have had variations on you know like trying to do that hungry for your time thing like that sort of repeated matches and you know trying to absorb people into this ongoing thing that then maybe encourages them to spend with the game like i say i'm not sure about lawbreakers but obviously it's a it's a multiplayer match made Mm. prospect that obviously was intended to have a significant player base right that uh, yeah so i mean they're they're both they failed right Mm. or you know i don't want to write off lawbreakers entirely at the moment it's more that like that's going to be a cause for concern right for people who have maybe pivoted towards this stuff finding out that actually there isn't infinite demand for this stuff that there isn't infinite Mm. space for all of these games and all of these like demands on people's time and money and Mm. like there will be a saturation point
2: you always see in in my fear is that like it's just a big company thing big companies are terrible for just keeping their shit together and being focused there'll always be someone who gets into um, who gets promoted and is like, right? We're going to shake things up. We're going to, uh you know, go in this bold new direction. And um, uh, they get control by by making this case to the higher ups that, oh, I understand the the market, I understand the trends, and we're going to follow those, and we're not going to do this th- waste time in the old ways. And uh then they swoop in and change things. And that's why so often, like people like a company will buy something, they'll acquire another company, and they'll promise nothing will change, and you almost want to believe it because you kind of think oh why would they buy it if they want if just to destroy it and then they fucking do destroy it <laughs> two <laughs> years later because management changed and they just changed their priorities and it's just a shift in the in the gears and uh so the behavior they exhibit is just com- seems completely bizarre from the outside like why did you invest so much in this thing if you don't want that thing <laughs> like it seems mm. idiotic uh that's one explanation the other explanation is maybe there was like trouble with the project maybe it was just not shaping up fast enough I mean, they don't say that but
1: no, it's kind of, it's, it's one of those things that's kind of impossible to know, I guess, until you maybe start hearing people's experiences yeah. or, you know. And I bet,
2: like, I don't know if it was, like, a, how much of an Uncharted-like game it was, but I bet a game like Uncharted just looks like garbage until it's done. <laughs> like, it relies so much on polish and, and cinematic stuff mm. that it's not going to be like, mm. oh, it's a rough prototype right now, but you can tell because of this interesting game mechanic, it's going to be amazing. It's it's not going to be amazing until it's all there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well,
0: no one's going to play that.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll play something, maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll play something else. The, somebody
0: else will make. But it's a, Yeah, it's a real shame.
2: I mean, that's a weird job as well, isn't it? Coming into the... Yeah, the, the bones uh, of the project.
1: To be fair, you don't know it's a real shame. I don't know, but
0: it's a, it's a team with a really good history. And, like, oh,
1: for sure. Like, I'm not... I don't it's a shame we didn't to, get like, to see
2: what they did. Yeah,
1: like, I, I don't want hmm. to, like, you know do down the work that anyone did or you know the fact that it was people who i think would have done interesting things i think it's more just that like there's an interesting like if something doesn't get made then people can put a lot of emotion onto it Mm. that it, it you kind of will never know whether it deserved you know
0: true true although i think when a team is like I, like, I, I would say, I think it is legitimate to say I would like to have seen what the Dead Space people did next and I would like to have seen what Amy Hennig did with the Star Wars license.
1: Oh, for sure. I think I'm just feeling really detached from, not from the industry exactly, but just from, like, the, the, <laughs> I really don't feel kindly disposed towards corporations at the moment, I no. think, <laughs> because of, I think, I I don't know a load of conversations have not endeared me to a lot of parts of ways of thinking about games um, recently but I uh, like just I think I'm finding it quite difficult to engage with you know projects as if they are also the people who are involved in them if you see what I mean like hmm. the people are separate from them right Mm -hmm. from the from the work in a lot of ways and it's like i want i I wish the people well but i'm sort of a bit detached from the Mm. the the things that seem to be causing the problems in terms of people getting emotionally like invested in them to the point where it becomes unhealthy and spills over into online interactions but i don't yeah it's
2: it's so it's a rough to be in that position because you know 95 percent of everyone working the games industry is is probably not working on their absolute dream project like they're probably uh, a lot of people are at companies they're really excited to be at um and are very happy to to have the job they have but that's different to sort of um the ideal situation which is working on a thing that you passionately believe is the best it can possibly be and does not suffer from any kind of corporate interference that then compromises it in any way um and yeah, I have uh, uh, a lot of friends in the industry who are just in tough positions where the thing they worked in, worked on failed for reasons that were completely beyond their control. And, um, but they can't help but care about it. You know, they're, they're so invested in it and they put so much love into it and that their contribution to it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's so they can't really help like, like having their sort of their emotions tied to its its fate and then it bombs for some other reason and yeah. they have to feel bombed about this, even though it's not their fault.
1: That's why I really love talking to people about like, for example, their, you know, like people from the art team and stuff, because then mm. you do get to consider that stuff, not in isolation, but you get to really sort of dig into the work that a person or one sub team did and what they're proud of or what was difficult or, you know, things like that. And that's quite an interesting like way of experiencing a facet of a game whereas if you're sort of I don't know I think as well there's been a lot of talk about for example the loot box conversation which I won't rehash but there's this kind of interesting like this, a company is made of people but it, it itself is not a person mm-hmm. and it does not have your best interests at heart and it isn't your friend yeah. you know it's that I, I hope that I'm getting that across rather than just seeming like I'm in a jerk mood like i i genuinely wish those people well and would have really been interested to see what they came up with it's more just like a kind of there are a lot of knee-jerk responses in the industry that have been troubling mm.
0: yeah oh, what have you been playing pip
1: a mortician's tale
0: hmm. sunny <laughs>
1: It really is actually. It's lovely. Um, It's a uh, little game where you are, you play as a mortician who is working at first in a family run um, business and it sort of later gets taken over by a, a sort of big death business like i don't know what the you know like big farmer big big death big mortis big (laughs) big reaper (laughs) um kind of company and uh as uh and as this character, you, um, you perform the tasks of a mortician. You prepare cadavers for funerals and for, um, for burials, for services, for cremations. Um, you sort of learn about the, the equipment involved and the processes, but also, um, you have a little inbox and you get messages from your friend who works in a pathology museum and you get messages from your boss or from, you know, the, the people who are using the uh, the funeral directors. And so, you know, you sort of start to get to know the world or you sort of get snippets of information via, you know, the little uh, messages in your inbox, whether they're from your, your characters, friends or colleagues, or, you know, just even like the, the funeral newsletter that she's been subscribed to, you know, things like that. Um, and there's a some absolutely fascinating stuff in there Um, and in terms of the way it plays um, there's a lot of sort of you know it's quite a rigid linear structure to the story and the interactive parts you're usually sort of going over to a thing whether that's you know a coffin or whether it's to you know a a door or the computer to answer your email or whatever um and the the actual parts where you're interacting with a body are a lot more like you know those browser games where you need to i don't know uh clean a disney princess's face before she goes to a ball <laughs> and she's got loads of zits and you have to like pop them and then put her makeup on and like mm. you know all of that stuff
2: i've seen ads for these games
1: yeah or like you're a like the, you're presented with a pregnant frozen princess and you have to like, deliver <laughs> oh, yeah, the baby or you know like or someone's got a really mangled leg and you have to pick out glass and like Is bandage frozen it. frozen
2: pregnant princess one a real one yeah uh how does the delivery work is the (laughs) how much is frozen
1: like (laughs) no she's
0: from the movie frozen
1: so basically you just do a bunch of quite abstract tasks really and then like the baby just sort of appears on your tummy like as it's it's been birthed you know there's no sort of genitalia or anything and nothing so troubling as a you know an episiotomy or whatever but um google that (laughs) maybe don't (laughs) i don't know um but yeah so uh, so it's kind of more that format of you get given a set of tasks that you know represent the basic work but they've been heavily simplified and it's quite rote and the game sort of leads you through them um so for example the first one that you get is a woman who um has died and you the family just wants a closed casket like service and burial and so you don't need to embalm her for viewing and things and they you know have like environmental reasons for not doing so and so all you need to do is wash the body so you're sort of using your mouse to drag like a sponge across like the grubby body kind of thing and then it's sparkling clean and then that's done and then you send it off to your colleague to dress her and you know then you attend the service you pay your respects and then you move on to the next thing um and then you sort of uh, as the game progresses you encounter sort of different versions of things so for example you might have um like a a a viewing so you might have to embalm the body and so there's like you need to like there's a guy that it gives you and so you have to shave him um and then like it's things like you need to um I can't remember the exact order but it's like you sort of shave him you wash him you put like these things called eye caps in um under his eyelids so that it not only um creates the impression of full eyeballs, if you see what I mean. Um, But also I looked them up online and they're often kind of lightly spiked so that they'll hold hold the eyelid in place, you know, and sort of shut. Um, And then you also like glue the eyelids and you you have to massage the body as well because like otherwise, because you have to get uh, like break rigor mortis is what it's called. Uh. So...
2: Uh, for the eyes, uh, what state are the real eyes in at this point? Do they do sleep? I
1: think it's more that, yeah, like, because after death, they kind of sink back. And I was trying to find out what exactly happens. And, and um, the the reading that I found online was slightly unclear. But I think it's maybe a mixture of like, dehydration and muscle slackness and mm. things like that. So it stops sort of having them like they sink back a little and things like that and um but i'm sorry if this is upsetting for anyone um it's not intended to be because the whole game is um geared around the death positivity movement which is a thing that you might be familiar with if you are on particular sections of the internet i thought it was a lot more widely known because i happened to be in mm, that sort of of connected area but um you might be familiar with things like caitlin Doty's um ask a mortician like uh, youtube series where you know people could like ask questions about you know, the sorts of things that she would know about. Uh, and mm. like, she sort of discusses them in a matter of fact and really approachable kind of interesting way. Um, but the idea of death positivity is it's it's not like <laughs> super looking forward to it, but <laughs> it's kind of the idea that society has kind of become phobic of death almost and tries to hide it away in a really unhealthy um, way that kind of, um makes it harder for us to understand to engage with to grieve to to move past things or to to like incorporate it into the fact of life you know um and sort of trying to sort of open that back up in interesting and, and helpful ways. And there's other sites like, so, um, Caitlin Doty's particularly involved with a site called the order of the good death, which is super interesting. So I would definitely say go check that out. Um, but there's also, uh, like, um, I think Sarah Chavez, uh, writes and runs, um, Death and the Maiden, which like, I think they had in, uh, in Winchester, like earlier this year, there was like a, uh, conference. And so there was a lot of like interesting sounding talks I couldn't go, but about, um, for example, particular like death and gender kind of topics. So like the gendered aspects of like end of life care and things like that. Um, anyway, so that's more to sort of say why it's not just sort of weird or gory. It's kind of like, I think the, the creators of the game were inspired by those particular people and those particular websites and the, the idea of that movement. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, so you go through these, tasks and you prepare the bodies and you sort of, and your character moves through this arc of like, you know, from the firm being this like family run sort of intimate thing where people can, you know, for example, mourners don't have to like be upsold to and things like through towards like more of a corporate thing. And then Hmm. like... It goes on from there. Um, Do you become Big Death? So I don't want to like. <laughs> it's quite a short game, and I much. don't want to like. Well, I think I don't. It might be obvious where it ends up, but I think it and and because it's quite rigid, it's kind of like I did wonder whether some people would find it like troublingly so. Like, oh, I'm just doing everything that the game tells me to, and I don't get any agency within this. But I think. I think it's more that it's a really, really good tool for, like, just sowing seeds of things that are interesting about the ways that people are finding to deal with death or, like, ways that you might want to consider or talk about or, you know, while, while you are planning for your own funeral or for, you know, want to talk about it with relatives perhaps or um and so you know like you get an email from uh your friend in the pathology museum who uh, mentions mushroom suits and like she only sort of mentions it in passing and says that she'll send you a link later and obviously you know time moves on so you don't see that the rest of that interchange as it maybe would have happened but like obviously the first thing i did afterwards was just google mushroom suits (laughs) and i was like what is this and it's like there was a firm who makes this thing called the infinity suit i think and and Mm. it's like this, was, yeah, yeah, it's this jumpsuit that's kind of infused with this biomix that is supposed <laughs> to like, you know, it's, there are some mushrooms, there's like other kind of organic microorganisms, you know, microorganisms, basically, that um, the idea is that mushrooms, well, fungus is good at um, like breaking down toxins that might be in the human body. So things like heavy metals, you know, um, and that therefore having those as a, a a biomix that then starts to like Take propagate off the body or yeah. so, you know like I, that's probably not the correct terminology but would um be like a useful and more environmentally friendly you know thing to do as part of your burial process cuz obviously this- yeah
2: this does sound like the most amazing superhero origin story, where they get buried <laughs> prematurely in the infinity suit, and then the, all the fungus takes root, and then they become a plant-based superhero, bursting from the grave.
3: But <laughs> yeah, basically
2: swamp thing, <laughs> right?
1: And there was stuff like, and, and there was a similar email that like made me Google um, water cremation and stuff like that. Which wait. I what? mean, obviously, that sounds like a, a contradiction. <laughs> yeah, and it, it kind of is. And I think that it's more that it's easier to understand as a process that then still leads to you having, I think, ashes, mm. and mm. it it still involves a, um, like a a a machine that you put the body into, and then it it kind of goes away because essentially, <laughs> well, I mean, as in, because instead of fire and the the environmental costs of the you know generating that heat Mm. and you know all of that
2: because it's a crazy it's incredibly difficult to reduce a body to ashes right the bones do not this
1: is the thing so (laughs) in the game you will use a cremulator which is the thing that you put the remains into after the so after the burning process you're left with bones and you know, things like that. And so you take them out and you put them into this thing called a cremulator, which is what reduces it to that ash-like right. substance, which is also, it could, because it's not ash, which is why it's got that slightly different texture than Never like, felt fireplace it. ash. <laughs> well, if you've ever scattered. <laughs> right. was, anyway, um, so it's, yeah, it's one of those... But anyway, so with a water cremation, you would have like a, a heavily alkaline solution under pressure. So it's like you can heat it, but it won't boil, and so that that um, breaks down the majority of like the the body, you know, over time. And then you'd still put the remains in the cremulator, so you'd still have, you know, that thing to give right. the uh, the. Um, The relatives at the end you know Mm. in an urn and things but i think i wonder if it's also better for things like um pacemakers and things because in in the game you have to take out a pacemaker because the battery would explode otherwise oh my god (laughs) exactly and so but like i wonder if the same thing would happen in like you know superheated alkaline solution or whether you actually could no, I I think it would still be dangerous, right? <laughs> we'd still you'd still have to take that I out.
2: I can't first. imagine. <laughs> <A> <laughs> but I think factors, that there though.
1: was some interesting thing where it's not only using less energy than like either a burial in terms of like the overall environmental cost or, you know, cremation. But I think someone was saying that like it also leaves intact the like the medical like prosthetics that you might have had like you know uh, like artificial hips mm. or knees or things like that which could maybe theoretically be repurposed in <laughs> you know in other surgeries or for for new patients and things which is kind of interesting mm. I'm not sure how how accurate that is cuz maybe the alkaline would do damage you know it's corrosive
2: so <laughs> It sounds like, in general, it's better for the environment to be buried, is it?
1: Um, No, I think that they did... So I did an interesting thing with, like, um, someone had done, like, a shadow cost analysis, essentially working out things like, you know, what... The, the cost of a burial was and things like that. Because obviously you need or not obviously, but you know, you need the wood for the coffin or the casket. And yep. then you need you also need the cotton for the lining. And if you've had the viewing of the body and you've needed it to be embalmed for some reason, there's like formaldehyde in there. There's like so much in the way of chemicals in right. the way of, you know, like all of that kind of stuff. And so anyway, yeah, so that's I've sort of forgotten where I was in terms of explaining the game, but <laughs> the
2: whole the whole thing is just really interesting to me, so it sounds like a game worth playing for that reason.
1: I think that's the thing is that I think if you go in expecting a a super interactive like multiple choice thing where you can feel your own agency in terms of what the character is doing moment to moment that's not what you'll find and you will probably not enjoy it but where it really shines is as this tool for opening up those conversations and for just sort of leaving a really interesting thing as maybe a friend who who was super into that stuff might send you you know that email like oh this is a fascinating thing like or just drop it into conversation when you're out of the pub like did you i mean maybe if you're just friends with someone like me who does this <laughs> kind of thing like Did you know? Um, And so I think the nicest thing for me is where where my agency was, was in choosing what I wanted to follow up on afterwards, you know, like the Internet rabbit holes that I disappeared down into and, you know, how it sort of like opened up some of those some of those topics of conversation, but also just sort of demystified some of the funeral industry as well. Like some of it is a bit uncomfortable. Some of it is clearly geared towards a certain way of approaching um burial. And I, I kind of wonder how people who've had a different experience or who value the, the, like a, maybe they'd had an experience with a more corporate entity and like, liked that. I don't know if you would feel, criticized for, you know, for that in this game or like maybe you'd been pressured or something, but, um, so that might be an interesting one, but, um, I think that it's, it, yeah, I think as a tool, it's interesting and sensitively handled and it's obviously deeply simplified, but I think that that's necessary. And I also think that the the lack of player choice in the moment to moment things, was maybe necessary to ensure that it will never be disrespectful towards, yeah. for example, the the bodies in your care. You know, because you always go into the 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 relatives' room kind of area, and you always pay your respects to the to the deceased, and you always kind of like, you know, there's no option to not do that. You know, and so I think, like, I think giving people video game levels of choice would maybe just not be appropriate there because people are just going to you jump know jump up and down well, yeah you know like jump up on the table you know kick the sandwiches you know like <laughs> and and not out of malice but like just because you yep. can and it's a video gamey way to behave so i think it's sorry i've been wanging on about that for for a whole <laughs> i just find it absolutely fascinating yeah also google death beads (laughs) so you know they're really interesting too
2: okay (laughs) what have you been playing tom shadow of war still um it's
0: definitely called that
2: yep uh pretty sure uh which i'm i've got into the nemesis system stuff now which i hadn't before um well like i'd got access to the army before but i couldn't turn any captains to my side um Oh no, wait, I did I totally flipped Captain's last episode. I forgot where I was. Mm. <laughs> we talked a lot mm. about Captain Flipping. Um uh, but I just got to that and now I've uh I've like it really gets much bigger, much quicker. Um uh, there's like I think there's five regions, each with their own army, and I've now sort of conquered three of those. Um and yeah, it's weird that the nemesis system is, uh, is held up as like one of the great design, one of the great bits of design in a, um, uh, in AAA. Mm. And it is really cool, but I, I always feel like I felt it was a little bit last time, but because it was new, I was more forgiving of it. And now even more so, I feel like it is hinting at a game that would be way better than the game that they've actually <laughs> produced, which is, uh, it clashes completely with the idea of, um badass, grimdark um uh incredibly powerful um hero. Like they want you to be that, and they also want you to care about the orcs that you can flip to your side and what they get up to and who you send them against. And basically everything you can do with your orcs you can do much better yourself. And sending them to do that um without your assistance is kind of it's just strangely balanced. I was playing, um, I was doing like the odd campaign mission. Um, I don't seem to be forced to do those anymore, which is good. Uh, but I have been dipping into them just to like see what they're like. I usually hate them. It is one of the worst games I've ever played for the you straight outside the mission zone thing. The mission right. zone is insanely small. Like you're following somebody and you walk like 10 steps away from them to pick up some arrows and it's like fight mission failed. One does not <laughs>
0: simply walk 15 feet away from a <laughs> <Yes>, door. <Mordor. exactly.
2: laughs> Um and yeah, that there's been like in a boss fight, you know, where you I you have to shoot this flying enemy and I've run out of arrows, so I walk over to get some arrows and it mission failed because you went outside the mission zone. They're fucking arrow, why are they there then? <laughs> 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 so that's not fun. Uh but because that was so frustrating, I for one of those fights I put it down to easy and I it's called campaign difficulty, so I thought maybe that only applies to the campaign missions. But after a while of was playing, I started to realise no that that has affected um the nemesis system as well because if i send a uh, an orc um if you want to get them to be like uh, a a warchief's bodyguard which is a good way of taking on a warchief if you have one of your guys secretly being their bodyguard because then they'll betray them when you confront the warchief um to do that they have to fight an arena battle and i can't remember how it worked in the first game but in this one you cannot intervene with those at all even if you want to even if you want to ruin the whole thing and um uh just to like save your guy's life you can't do that uh so it's literally just a cinematic thing that you watch um but it is like ai's fighting each other it is dynamic in that way and um uh they're kind of fun to watch except after a while i started to realize like oh i've I've sent a guy in who's like six levels lower than the, the other guy and um the other guy cannot damage my guy. It's just like he'll hit him with a really good blow and you just can't tell if the health bar's gone down at all. And then my guy hits the other guy once and it's like 10% of his health off. Um And so at that point I started to realize this is not working on this difficulty. This is just meaningless now. It doesn't matter what I do. Um So I cranked it up to hard now, <laughs> which is um not at all how I want the combat to work because it introduces a load of just bullshit things where like sometimes you can't... um you get a camp- captain down to when he's broken, which is when you can flip him to your side, and then you do the, the drain move, which is what does that, and it just doesn't work. And I'm just like, I don't know why it doesn't work, but on half mode, sometimes it just doesn't work. <laughs> and I'm not sure what I should do or change to, to do that. And I'll be fighting like a guy who's vulnerable to beasts, and I've summoned a growl, which is the fucking enormous, um, gigantic, uh, um, I don't know, uh, ogre-like thing, um, and my Grog was just like pounding on him again and again and again in a corner. And he has zero health. There's no detectable health left on his health bar. And the graug just never kills him. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why. Something's going on there. And it's full of stuff like that. It's just full of weird little quirks. And I think hard mode is, is worse for that. Like, because every, everything matters so much. Whenever there's a thing where you just, I don't know why setting fire to this mortally fire vulnerable guy did not in any way hurt him. Um, that stuff is life or death on hard mode. So I don't want to be playing on hard mode, but if you play on easy mode, then, um, the nemesis stuff becomes meaningless. It doesn't, you can't get your guys killed if you wanted to. Um, and I was playing on medium for most of it and that was, uh, still got too much of an advantage for your guys. You you put them into these battles and it just feels like a very strange, strange the extent to which they missed the opportunity here, which to me, the interesting thing is like, um, I want to care about the orcs (laughs) and I Mm -hmm. want, uh, when I have, uh, when i flip orcs to my side um i want to put loads of thought into which ones i pick and then i want to put loads of thought into what i do with them and that thing where you you fight in in um uh in arena battles to to get a warchief position um that happens both if you want them to become an enemy warchief's bodyguard but also once the chief's down to put anyone in that position to replace them they also have to fight a battle like that and when you do that you don't get told what which orc they're going to fight and so that means there's no logic to who you put into that battle. Just wh- whoever, your best guy, I guess, the highest level, whatever. Doesn't matter what their strengths are, doesn't matter what their weaknesses are, just the best one you have generally because you don't know who they're fighting. Whereas that seems like such an obvious opportunity to tell me who they're going to fight and then mm. I can pick one who's like, oh, this guy's got a fire attack and he's vulnerable to fire and that'll be great. Um, but you can't do that. And then the fact that you can't intervene also seems like a missed opportunity because it would be such a great moment if you put this guy in the fight in the hope of you know becoming the war Chief's bodyguard and he's sort of undercover. Mm. He's just pretending to be a, a someone who's vying for this position. Um, and then you realise he's going to lose, and then you have this moment of like, do I jump in to save him? How important is this guy? Because if I save him, everyone knows he's he's um, uh, on your side at that point. In fact, maybe that's why they don't let you because they just can't handle that, like the idea of a chief that everyone else knows is on your side. I mean, it's a complete mm. farce because you know. People can watch you turn the chief to your side and the chief says, I now serve the bright lord in front of everybody. That doesn't blow their cover. Yeah. <laughs> but if they were in a fight and you save them, that would blow their cover. Um and also every other situation, like any time any two war chiefs fight, you can intervene and save one of them. Like, you, know, you can send one of your warchiefs to like raid the other um war chiefs uh uh feast or um draw him into ambush or whatever and in that situation you can totally jump in and save your guy at the expense of the other guy and that doesn't blow his cover so yeah it's i don't think there's a good reason that you can't do that and it's the it reason like,
0: that pokemon trainers can't just kick the shit out of the other person's pokemon
2: <laughs> yeah um yeah and then just the, th- the actual there are loads of interactions you can do with a nemesis system in terms of like sending orcs against each other as far as i can tell you just never need to do that there's never really a reason to do that um if you want to flip that orc, you don't really want your guy in the mix because they might kill them before you can get a chance to do that. Um, and if they're not powerful enough to accidentally kill them, uh, then you don't want them in the mix because they'll probably die. <laughs> and so, the, the like you have so much agency, you're just so powerful, and, and um, you need to be there to do everything yourself uh, that it kind your orcs just feel a bit irrelevant, and it feels like that the thing that Nemesis wants to be, which is like putting together this cool team of unique individual randomized um, uh, captains who you've chosen for their their special traits and then using them in ways that make sense for their traits um, mm. just doesn't come up in the game that they've made because of what the actual things you're trying to do are fairly straightforward and you are the primary instrument of those things because they want you to feel like a cool mm. badass hero. Is it a, Do you think it's a
0: single thing that is at odds with that design, is it the fact that you are also a very powerful hero in your own right that stops the auction being meaningful?
2: I can imagine a version of this where you still are, but, um, there's a reason to send your guys to do things instead of you. Um, right. Just things that, um, uh, like it has this weird set, like sense of turns. It actually calls them turns. Mm. Um, where, the game is not turn-based, it's real-time, but certain events are scheduled to happen and uh, those events will only happen if you show up and activate them. Or if you don't do that, then if you die or whatever event you do show up to and activate, that causes all the other ones to progress. Um, and if there was a load of things that it was important and, and beneficial for my captains to be doing, then that would probably work but it isn't like sending them against another captain doesn't get me anything. killing another captain is not even really a good thing because what usually happens is a better captain replaces them mm. and they're not on your side so really you want to turn them to your side or you can shame them which makes them lower level um, and uh, that kind of I've been treating that as a way to like weaken the army overall because now they're just taking up space basically they're kind of shit now <laughs> um, uh, no one can replace them while they're uh, I suppose someone else could come in and kill them but, you know, I think some of that stuff is happening and I'm not seeing it and, uh, and then a lot of the time just not happening. And either way, it doesn't end up being relevant to what I'm actually asked to do, which is take out these war chiefs and ultimately mm-hmm. take over the fortress, which I can just do really easily, um, with just by just manually killing all these people or manually turning them to my side. Hmm. Are you persevering with it though kind of i've played it a lot now (laughs) i've played it at least 16 hours i think maybe more like 20 something um uh i think it's it's because you can work towards something like you have you see that army and you know what you're trying to do with it and uh you make progress quite slowly but you're sort of always thinking about the next step um and so it's kind of addictive more than it is really enjoyable or interesting Mm. um and so you're saying it's a game that
0: you'd like to return to again and again
2: (laughs) unfortunately this is uh i mean it's you know it's got loot boxes i've used the loot boxes now i've um i didn't pay for any but they give you um some premium currency and Hmm. uh i think you're forced to spend i think you just like you can't progress until you go to the marketplace at least and uh then you've got your 500 gold to spend on some crates that have orcs in them (laughs) Uh, i don't know what how that works. Um, Did you
1: poke an air hole in?
2: (laughs) I hope they'd (laughs) already done that. Um, So I have, I think I've still got some of those because it's it's a very strange system. Um, Like when you're playing the game, it's all about you're showing the army and it's about how you manipulate that and take people out and turn them to your side. These extra orcs are just like in a box. (laughs) So you can like, you can take one out and put him somewhere, but it it feels weird to do that because it's like, that's not really how the system looks like it should work um and then you can also i've got like training orders which means i can take an orc uh i already have and give him a poison weapon which is that's what i've got at the moment um you can buy other types but uh, that part kind of works like that's um if that was just a thing that the fact that you can pay money for it is um not interesting to me um but the fact that I have a limited number of these things, you know, I just spent the premium cards they gave me. I'm never going to buy any more. So this is all I'll ever get. And the decision of like, Oh, which one of these guys do I want to upgrade is pretty good. I, you know, picked someone I liked because mm. he'd happened to have saved my ass and then gave him a poison weapon. And now he's my best guy. And I send him to um, take him with me on any mission that I'm worried about difficulty on. I really wish you were just an orc in it though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, particularly because a lot of stuff they've added. Kind of contradicts this idea that you're like, dominating them. Like you do this, you brand them with your hand. You, you hear them burning flesh as you like, sear your mark into them and enslave their mind. And then, uh, and then the first game that, that was just it. They were just yours forever. In this one, they've added loads of stuff where like, if, uh, the story I told last week was about some blood brothers where one of them didn't like it that mm. I hurt. It completely fucked up because the game's very, uh, ropey in that sense, but the intent was, um, even if you've uh, dominated this captain if you hurt his blood brother he'll flip on you because he's still like he can still think for himself and so that just makes so much more sense if you're just an orc who is just
0: persuading people yeah
2: you beat an orc in combat to the point that he's not dead but he's nearly dead and you would just have the option to like uh, you know uh, intimidating him to join your side and that's totally a thing orcs would would go for <laughs> yeah it makes perfect sense for orcs and then it would make more sense when they betray you because um, they can you know, if you attack their blood brother, they can betray you. Uh, some of them are just resistant to it. You just do it. You try and flip them to your side and they're just like, they're too strong willed, which again would make more sense if you were trying to intimidate them. And they're like, mm. no,
0: I'm just really. Rather well, than your magic hands.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I just really believe in myself. I'm <laughs> not coming to your side. And then they can also, um, there's some quite ni- nice bits of logic in there where, um, I was fighting a tough enemy when I had it on hard mode and he uh sort of got me down to the the sort of emergency recovery stage where usually they try and finish you off and then you get to press a a button to to get get out of it um and he didn't do that and he humiliated me which is he just says no i'm not going to do this this is too easy that's the humiliation (laughs) um but it means you don't get the recovery thing you just get back up and you have low health um which wasn't interesting in itself but it caused one of my flipped orcs to just suddenly show up and say, Oh, if the enemy don't even respect you, how can I respect you? And so, just, <laughs> they don't
0: respect me. i magically branded you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like,
2: it would make so much more sense if it, I I was just another orc who I had intimidated him.
0: Yeah. Or just a, a human man, a regular non half <laughs> elf ghost. Yeah. Guy, anyone
2: really. I think if you are going to do like this sort of magic stuff where right, to flip people to your side, I mean, it's gross, right? You're sort of violating their mind in a really, um, uh, skeevy way, and there are all sorts of, uh, racial connotations that are not at all good. Um, but I was thinking about this because like, loads of games have this flip people to your side mm. spell, and it's never felt quite this awful. <laughs> um, and. Well, no,
0: it's framed as like hypnotize or something, like yeah, explicitly and, like they're under a spell.
2: And traditionally the spell is called charm, which mm. just, it makes it sound like a nice thing, instead sort of persuading them that you uh, And I you realized- It's just like
0: friends to the death.
2: For me, the version of this that that is sort of a lot more morally palatable is uh, if the spell is to basically impersonate somebody that they do respect. Mm. So, like, if this spell made you look like Sauron to them, and then you told them to do something, it would make perfect sense. They did something, and it's not really like violating their mind or branding them or um, uh, or doing something really horrific. It's just a bit of trickster stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, I totally would play. Just the orc Middle Earth game with quite l- no huge sort of mythology kind of requirement. Just orc business.
2: It would be kind of amazing if you were just like you know, Italians like half human, half magic elf. If you are just like Italian, but in an orc costume, <laughs> it's just like cosplaying as an orc. <laughs> it's like slightly lame, but the orcs will just buy it.
1: Like a little onesie. <laughs> yeah, I like the idea that maybe like because he brands them right so he must have a really hot hand for that moment mm-hmm. so if he was holding a sandwich and then went to brand the guy he could have a grilled cheese sandwich would
2: right? the brand still work or would that prevent the brand?
1: I'm trying to work this out like, <laughs> and also like how long would the branding then take because obviously the sandwich would absorb some of the heat so yeah. like it's and long long you could burn the could stay there for a while but like and
2: the, the mark on their face would just be like a cheese toasting mark instead <laughs> <Yeah. and stuff. laughs> <laughs> like but if you have, have a, like, a, a toaster sandwich maker, it has that diagonal it
0: the, the George Sauron grill.
1: <laughs> oh, well, no, because yeah, on one side of the sandwich, there would be a handprint. And on the other side of the sandwich, there would be the orc's frown line. So it would be a kind of an interesting fusion. Of, <laughs> I
0: don't you... think that's what fusion cuisine means. Uh, yes, it is. Oh.
1: And you could like boil an egg just by holding it.
2: Yeah, I think if your brand is hot enough, you could brand the face with your hand, then cook it. My food brand is on. smoking hot.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I tell you that he just cooks an egg and the egg turns oil. <laughs> I'm also
2: on your side for what it's worth. I know I can't do much, but. <laughs>
1: Or you could, like, reheat your cup of tea just mm. by holding it in your hand. As I, I want to think he can do that broken. anyway.
2: Like, if he's holding a cup of coffee and then he does the brand yeah. thing, the brand energy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pure brand energy. Would that
1: <laughs> not be the most charismatic synergizes. thing that that character is capable of doing? Mm. Like, it would be the
0: first charismatic thing. Yeah. Like, I did enjoy Tom S.'s comparison tweet between his <laughs> unmoving Shadow of Warface and his never not moving <laughs> Shadow of Mordor
2: yeah face i hadn't really I, i'd registered that he didn't look like an actual person in any sense um and was also incredibly boring um but That's i sort of,
1: Lord of the Rings.
2: yeah that, and i sort of I mean, remembered you know, him <laughs> being that way in the first game but actually yeah um Tom <laughs> he's sort of did.
1: hampered by source material in that respect
2: new talion's face is just like a mask that just stays impassive no matter how energetic what he's doing is
1: maybe he's had botox Maybe he felt is- pressured by the system. There are quite a lot of scenes where he
2: yells at a crowd, and that looks really freaky when he doesn't emote in any way.
1: Botox, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Just age naturally, Italian. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Actually, no, because he's got a ring, so well no hang on has he yeah no is or is he being haunted by the dude who made the rings for the elves
2: both. yeah both he also right. has a ring of his own oh,
1: um, why do i even know this
2: and the ring is upgradable you can find new are like, you kidding <laughs> epic me epic versions of the ring <laughs> that they so for everything else it's like oh this is the the cape that your wife gave you and then it's like one stealth so if you find something that goes two stealth you're like throw that in the fucking bin i want the two stealth one thanks uh, and then it's like oh the sword that talion used in life and then they like, throw that away that shit um <laughs> Uh, the ring. Well, to
1: be fair, yeah. <laughs>
2: the <laughs> ring you don't throw away, but you get, uh, new runes for it. So it's like you find an epic rune for your ring and add that to it. And now it, it once every 35 seconds, you can throw a knife that sets people alight.
1: <laughs> Is this like when people get their stones reset into a <laughs> new... Thing?
0: So the very first act Space. of magic item identification in, in fantasy fiction was gandalf putting the ring in a letter and putting it in the fireplace to reveal that it <laughs> yeah. has like plus 300 stealth but alert all nazgul within like a mile radius
2: it's good that they have a downgrade as well like so it's not just a pay to win type thing
0: yeah it's a lot of the morrowind crafting
2: system <laughs> yeah. I would, I would, why isn't identifying stuff in games interesting like that it should be throwing it in a fire See and then it
0: happens. lights up with the
2: Yeah. I mean because
0: it would be basically the same thing you currently do right like yeah but just be. a bit of
2: flash to it Yeah, yeah I think it <laughs> instead would of like boring, use a scroll though. on it
0: what is the game After where that. you discover what a thing can do by using it
1: Skyrim potions Tell That's you. one of them.
0: That's one of them. There is, I think, mm, I might be getting this from really Leran. Uh,
2: rogue likes often do this. Um, the potions, um, so potions in cave blazers and, uh, lo- or rogue mm. itself and also a function. lot of rogue mm. descendants will have potions where you have the option to drink it or throw it at an enemy and you don't know what it does until you do that. Mm. And I kind of lifted that for heat signature. When you're sent to steal something, you never know what it is. It's called like the something prototype and it is a real item and it will be one of a certain number of types with a certain number of traits but you don't know what it is until you use it and you're not supposed to use it because you're just there to steal it but if you're in a tight spot you can just try (laughs) and see (laughs) see what it does nice huh
0: Huh. you know I've never used an item I've (laughs) you're a good employee (laughs) I'll
1: tell you what though some um Loot crates have really elaborate, like, reveal options. Like, the Dota one yeah. just fucking spins around and does, like, a disappearing act and is all kind of fascinating. Like a shell ones. game kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, and, like, some of them have, like, a key that will magically form and then fly into mm. the lock and do a fancy twiddle. And you're just like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, it'd be funny if, like, Diablo had this kind of loot box system and it was just like, you get the item and it just like lands on the ground where you don't know what it is and Deckard Cain has to like waddle over and look yeah. at it really closely and say, oh, I think oh. that's a
1: thing. I've God, you'd be it there something. for 400 years, <laughs> wouldn't you? It's just like, especially if you had to have a little chat every time you threw something in the bin as well. It's like, I'd like to get rid of this, please. <laughs> oh, are you sure that was my grandfather?
0: <laughs> oh my God, just it's only destroy only plus one stealth. It. Plus constitution. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Greaves yeah <laughs> fucking what
0: oh used to be quite easy to do a Deckard Cain impression because all you do is start doing Bane from mm. the Batman films and then remove the mask and you have somehow Deckard Kane between those
2: two things yeah that's I couldn't enjoy the Dark Knight because he sounds so <laughs> I just lucky. kept thinking Deckard Cain
0: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah pretty much um sorry you can reverse any of those lines of dialogue either way as long as you either add or remove the Bane mask you either Mm. have one of those two characters that's a fun fact there you go found out what we were doing after two pints in pubs in 2012 (laughs) the height of comedy
1: I think it was also in 2015 because I remember having to sit through this Mm. (laughs) no that seems
0: a bit too recent
1: but you're probably right (laughs) It was that and Christopher um, Walken.
0: That was definitely much. That it's, was a long time ago. No. It,
2: no, it really was.
1: About twenty fourteen, then.
2: I said the Dark Knight, mm. but I must have meant the Dark Knight Rises.
0: rises. <laughs> podcast voice, which also rises. <laughs> the podcast voice also rises. God. Um. <laughs> yeah, good times. Good times that were probably twenty thirteen. I think. 2014 hmm. <laughs> shall we do some questions yes some questions no well podcast cancelled thanks for listening everybody
2: <laughs> it was a one vote in your out thing
0: yeah <laughs> Pip, why did we give Pip a veto on all podcast features? Well, I
1: wondered what would happen if I said no. Like, I'm not actually averse to doing questions, but, like, why ask?
0: Well, it's more to introduce the section.
1: We could have, like, a song. Go on, then. Have you got a question? We've got an answer. It's <laughs> questions.
0: Except for the ones we didn't pick. <laughs>
1: so, to be fair... I think, given you asked me to do a song.
0: Yes, that was pretty... I'm sorry that I didn't immediately (laughs) roll out the Pippi's Great bus.
1: Well, no, but why did you have to point out that there are some questions that don't make it on? People won't feel special.
0: Well, now everyone feels special, because everyone had a part of the song.
1: (laughs) That's not how this works. Okay. It's questions!
2: (laughs) That's all part of the song, the whole thing. <laughs> There's a spoken word bit in the middle, like Gilbert yep. and Solomon. It's um, the breakdown.
0: Wrap yeah. um, <laughs> us through the rest of the song, Tom.
2: <laughs> no, that that was it.
0: <laughs> that, was, that was a good freestyle. <laughs> um, what is going on? Stieg writes, dear IDKFA and IDSPISPOPD. What does that
2: mean? Okay, the first one gave you all ammo and weapons and keys. Uh, I can't know what the second one does. It's not invulnerability, because that's IDDQD. I don't know. There has been a lot... Hang on.
0: I can read. There has been a lot of talk lately about the tourist mode in the upcoming Assassin's Creed game. This is exciting. I really enjoy the Assassin's Creed games, especially for their tourist-in-time quality. Not to mention their excellent melee combat he's put an extra hat on the e the first e in melee just to get fruity with them (laughs) Um, i spent the 90s playing tourist mode via their built-in cheat codes i never skillfully played any fps such as doom or wolfenstein or quake i just flipped on cheats and explored the world's I have fond memories of exploring SNES games, such as Earthworm Jim and Flashback, just to visit the strange levels of the game and see as much as possible without having to perform the skill. I never built in SimCity without unlimited funds. I feel like N64 GoldenEye is a milestone in the mainstream death of cheat codes. That game did a great service of building unlockable cheat code menu, but only after skillful completion of the game. This is the polar opposite of a no-skill exploration-based tourism mode. Of course, I now enjoy the satisfaction of Dark Souls and the puzzle of managing a dwarf fortress, but I'd much rather play Minecraft in creative mode and see the elaborate wonders people build, not to mention the many tours through speed plays and Let's Plays. Thanks for the travel literature, Stieg.
2: Yeah, I also played Doom with Cheats On um, Mm. when it it first came out. Um, I remember we had a lodger staying with us at the moment, um, a Dutch guy who was uh, working for my dad's company and he was the only other person we knew who was into games and he was like 10 years older than us Um probably more than that Um and he just couldn't believe we played with cheats on and we're like but look we just have all the weapons now and we can't die this is brilliant <laughs> and it wasn't like this wasn't like a, you know you think it's going to be cool but then you play it and you realise it's not fun we were genuinely having fun with it for hours and hours on end we just played through the whole game like that loved it Um and he was trying to teach us the virtue of playing without cheats and there being some kind of challenge and I didn't see it at all <laughs> like, no, no, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> that's why i know what yeah. idgqd is yeah. and <laughs> um, it's uh interesting like yeah unlocking cheats i agree kind of defeats the purpose because mm. well um it serves a different purpose but uh yeah it undermines i, I think the more important one which is uh some people just want to play the game that way and also it's an accessibility thing they're just you know um uh, some people just can't play the game in the way that you may have originally intended. Um, and difficulty can just outright lock them out of the game, which is terrible. Um, and I'm thinking about this at the moment because I, I'm thinking about adding a kind of difficulty menu to heat signature to let you turn certain elements off, make things easier. Mm. But I don't know, uh if I just call it like difficulty options, and you can change it anytime during the game, I think that might have an adverse effect for some people who... Don't really want to use those cheats, but also don't have strong willpower and just are going to feel like it's just an option and, you know, turning it on makes it easier. Then they're just going to turn it on, um, and kind of cave to that pressure. Mm. I don't want those people to feel pressured. I want them to just mm. keep enjoying the game the way they're enjoying it. It's really for people. There are just a like a small percentage of people who just can't play the game at the difficulty level that kind of mm. wants you to play it at. And I want those people to have options. And so I could call the menu cheats. I wouldn't lock it off it would it would just be available to everyone um and then that would be kind of subtly shaming you for using them mm. <laughs> um but maybe that's a good thing cuz the people like this questioner and like myself I don't don't care if you call what I'm doing cheating I just I'll just look for a way to enjoy the game if there's something I don't like about the game and there's a way to turn it off if you call it a cheat it doesn't matter at all to me mm. that it's called a cheat but I know the psychology of this is very different for different people and it like I even have friends who like they'll play a game on Medium or hard and find it too hard, but they won't turn it down. Like they mm. cannot turn it down because turning it to easy is just a, a source of shame for them. <laughs> and so even when they're not enjoying it and they know they would enjoy it, they can't do that. So I don't know what like, it's really just, what should I call that menu option in heat signature? Is it like difficulty options or is it cheats or is it something? That- Mutators. Yeah, that, that might be a, like something like that might be, might work. It's a, I think that's a bit inside baseball for. You know, mm. some of the people who I'm going to hopefully help options. with this. <laughs> we do already have an options menu. Settings.
0: Yeah. Uh References.
2: Like Mutators gets across the thing I want to get across, which is this is an alternate way to play the game. It is not the game. Mm. Uh, so if you want to play the game, don't use this. But if you don't like the game and you want to change the game, <laughs> here is a way of doing that. <laughs> Call it that. <laughs> <laughs> Just write that all. <laughs> we make the font small enough, it will fit.
0: <laughs> What's your take on this, Pip? Uh, also (laughs) no. you almost covered for this you almost covered for the fact that while Tom was talking you left your chair walked across the room and read the question again off my screen because you hadn't been listening when I read it
2: out
1: I listened to like so much of it and then I I hope you
2: also simultaneously listened to my entire answer
1: so well (laughs) because
2: mine was also a question and I now need an answer for it
1: it's because i started thinking about whether melee does actually have a circumference <laughs> the e. that was what you were checking and then i got so kind of like caught up in hmm maybe it does it feels that, does like it, in Monkey it feels Island? familiar it does i feel like actually that is not an unfamiliar way of
2: yeah i feel it. like it. that might be right
1: and so i was just like so caught up in that that then i missed the rest of the email which i should really have been listening to and then tom was like i have an answer to this and i'm like i don't know what the question was (laughs) given that that now seems divorced from the part that i heard so but i think uh, uh, as i have gleaned from trying to listen to you and read a question at the same time (laughs) it's about like cheap modes and <laughs> <laughs> yes indeed but about like um about cheat modes and um like tourism modes and like basically alternate ways of experiencing a game without necessarily needing to mm. do the yeah the killingy bits or the fightingy bits mm. or the expertise bits right yes so for me like because i sometimes seek out cheats but they're specifically for things like um free camera like so it's not cheats exactly it's debug mode kind of stuff mm. or like you know like a dev console thing so that i can actually take the screenshots that i want to of the world that they've given me but the 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 constraints that they've put to represent the character you know like the height or the the way that i have to move around the world doesn't fit with that and so i try and like you know, find a way around that sometimes. Um, And so things like a tourist mode in a game which has that sort of, you know, parkour element, no matter how inelegant. Um, Actually, to be fair, I haven't played the new one, so I don't know how.
0: Assassin's Creed Parkour is pretty good.
1: No, it's not. Anyway, (laughs) I really, I, I find that it just, it's clunky. I've not enjoyed it. I've never enjoyed it, but anyway. Um, but I haven't played the most recent ones. So anyway, uh, so something that can offer me different ways of interacting, especially ways where I don't aggro anything or don't have to deal with the play side of things so that I can actually, like, you know, take screenshots or, you know, see elements of the world and actually sort of zero in on them or see what the, artists have done or the designers have done in that way i find super interesting and so it's more kind of like yeah it's it's not even about the the actual play side of things it's more being able to take the thing apart a bit and like poke at it or like you know like take the engine apart a bit Mm. and see what was actually going on um but again that doesn't that's a thing that doesn't seem to have a word apart from if you go into the free camera of the, you know, the dev Mm -hmm. console or the command or, you know, whatever else. And so, yeah, I don't know, like, like you could have like a really sort of hipster sounding menu option of like alt play. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, that could like.
2: To be honest, now that I think about it, Uh, for Heat Signature, calling it difficulty options probably will work because, as I said, the people who are, um, uh, resistant to those things don't want to go to the difficulty options. (laughs) They would see that as like, oh, that's, that's fucking what the game is. Um, which is what I want, you know, I want them to think that way. Uh, unless they're not enjoying it, in which case I want them to go there. Hmm.
1: But is it, or would they then seek that, like, is there a significant tranche of people who are actively annoyed at the idea of playing other than what the, the medium, kind of the, the default is? Or is it more that there's like a slice of people who care deeply, but they care about whacking it up instantly to the highest difficulty? that they can find. Do you know what I mean?
2: Well, these would all be options to make it easier. So, the, like, the, the default difficulty would be the hardest, which sounds strange, but basically the only... Um, hmm. uh, if I want to add heat signature structure is such that if I want to add more difficulty, I can do that in-game and it can always be optional within the game. But there are certain global things that it might be beneficial to let people turn off.
1: I wonder, because, like, I... As somebody who finds some, like... St- strategic games daunting or who knows that they are of a very different play mindset to you for example with that in mind i would open your game i would see the difficulty settings if i checked them then i would realize i was on the hardest and whack it down instantly to the what i felt was the medium if you see what i mean (laughs) because i would be like oh okay well clearly I will not be capable of the hardest one or like that's not a good way to start with this game. So I will put myself in the, like I'll put myself a few notches down, interestingly.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's going to be, I don't know exactly what the options will be yet, but it'll be something like, um uh it'll be very specific things. So like what happens when you die? And mm. um so gameplay specific options, that I think will be, will not mean much to you if you haven't played the game yet um and they're there for people who have played the game and then want something specific to change so like dishonored added this uh to dishonored 2 in a patch a custom difficulty where you can change everything and i was excited about that and then i tried it and then found actually i just want to play on easy <laughs> mm. um and actually this kind of made me think about it more because uh it's quite overwhelming that like it gives you so much so many options in terms of visibility and enemy health and all mm. this stuff that you almost feel like it's on you to design your difficulty, which mm. is definitely appealing to some people and and beneficial to some people um but it made me realize for me, I think there's value in in restricting those options, not um or in guiding me towards like this set is a cool set to try or.
1: I think maybe if you did it as flavors almost. So if you wanted, like, maybe not for heat signature, but, you know, for example, if they did it in No Man's Sky, it would be, you know, like the, the uh, creator flavor would obviously be the, the, Um, I think they actually call it creative mode you know it's the uh, peaceful or something you know it's one of those. that's that's, what I'm playing
2: on now in No Man's Sky.
1: Yeah but like you could also just do sort of adventurer and that would maybe be like particular kind of like emphasis on you know the things that are to do with exploring or to do with you know like whatever and then there's like you know research like scientist and that would maybe favour you know like cutting out the things that would interfere with like, research or finding those, like, language modules, but, you know, up the... You know, like, it could, like, Hmm. fiddle with the variables a bit in that way. Um, Obviously that, you know, like, I can just say, oh, yeah, you could just and, (laughs) you know, ignore the hand wave all of the complications that take place under the hood. But I think maybe... Because games do nod towards this, or maybe it's a vanity thing, like where the most easy, where the easiest option on a survival sandbox game will be called like peaceful or passive or um, creative or something, you know, it won't be... You know, loser, easy, baby mode, (laughs) will it? Like, and, and so. There are games that will call their easiest difficulty something like that. (laughs) And like, there will be something like, on the, the further end of the spectrum that will maybe call out the players that, uh, or that understands that there are some players that will gravitate towards things that are nightmare mode, or, you know, relentless, or Iron Man, or, you know, whatever. Deus Ex.
2: I always uh I've always played Deus Ex games on the hardest difficulty, um, because they're not really about like how much damage you take. If you play it in a clever way, you don't take any damage, it doesn't really matter. Um until the latest uh Mankind Divided, um they added a new one called I Never Asked for This. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh
2: which is I think otherwise the same as the top one, which is called Give Me Deus Ex, which is kinda dumb. Um Except that it's permadeath, so you just can't load save games, uh, which is just, like, well, that's just more frustrating. <laughs> that just For me, that uh, just makes me less inclined to experiment and stuff, because the game is not structured around permadeath. It's a
1: yeah.
2: one long linear campaign, so if you die 17 hours into it, <laughs> that would just <laughs> fucking suck.
1: But, like... Yeah, with those two settings, they both seem to have an understanding of how the people who play them might want to either think about what they're doing or what they enable or the mindset that they engender when when you do take the brakes off in that particular way or apply them in a particular way. So I think maybe, you know, it'd be interesting to see more games experimenting with that as a kind of, you know, here are a few different ways that you could approach this almost like builds, but for the for the actual, like, game settings, rather than mm. the character and then you could, yeah anyway hmm.
0: Next up Nebujoth writes, Tom F you have created the perfect game <laughs> <laughs> I cannot stop playing it it is perfect in every way and it has its hooks deep into me I stress this is written by Neberjoth, an anagram for Tom Francis. (laughs) Wait, no, it's (laughs) not. He protests too much. (laughs) I'm terrified of whatever you create next, (laughs) Neberjoth writes. What will that be? I know it is soon and that you undoubtedly need to take some time to enjoy the success of Heat Signature and to decompress a bit. But can you give us any hints or broad strokes about your next move, Neberjoth?
2: Until that last sentence, he could have been talking about Morph Blade. <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking love this turn-based strategy game. Um, uh, I don't know what the next thing will be, but I have been tinkering with things already. Um, uh, I have one project going in Unity and one project going in Game Maker Studio Two, which is also mm. what I did after Gunpoint was do a Unity project and a Game Maker project. Yeah, so like, hang on. on, the two side by side. And uh, last time, the pace of progress in Game Maker proved seductive, and I couldn't. <laughs> resist it
0: three and a half years later <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: that's that sets, so the i was working on a unity game that was like a side-on heist game um still in 2d functionally but sort of with 3d models um and a, only the a basic placeholder rectangles at the time cuboids um and that was the one that was progressing slower and heat signature was the one that was progressing faster and heat signature t- t- took three and a half years so I haven't been overly tempted to go back to the other one that was slower than that because mm. uh, that feels like that would take seven years to finish. Um So every time with with Unity it's always like, I know this is a better system. I know this is nicer to work with in the long run. I know I'll get myself into less messes and my code will be cleaner and all better organized because it kind of forces you, well, it doesn't force you to do that but it encourages you to do that. Um And the tools are very good for sort of uh hinting at how you should write your code um but yeah my unity project right now is a is a square uh a sort of slab of land with a rectangular unit on it that you can click on and then you can right click to tell it where to go and that's it (laughs) (laughs) that is all i reveal about what i'm doing with that
0: fascinating
2: and the game maker project um is literally just me trying to see how GameMaker Studio 2 works, because I haven't used that before, mm. um, came out during Heat Signature's development and it, it wasn't worth porting it over. Um, so I've made a basically a kind of paint program in Game Maker Studio 2. This, I think, will not be my next game. I think mm. I'm ready to say that. <laughs> but I made a paint program where, like, when you click, it draws a big glowing line of random color. And then um, when you next click, wherever you click, all previous kind of blobs of paint fly away from your cursor. So basically, wherever you click, you kind of push the other drawing off the screen, huh, or, like an etch a sketch. Yeah, or if you click in the middle of it, it kind of explodes. That's not
1: it. how etch a sketch works.
2: <laughs> it, it's how etch it a sketch would work if it could. <laughs> etch a sketch is dream of itself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, do etch a sketches dream of electric sheep?
1: <laughs> well, it wouldn't. It definitely wouldn't work on an etch a sketch because all of the lines are connected. Look So look. I, it, it you couldn't physically it's this is the one thing that is impossible for an edge of sketch to do. Which is
0: why
2: it dreams. <laughs> and that's I don't why. think it
1: can conceptualize separateness.
2: If you wanted to if an edge of sketch was dreaming and you wanted to Separation. wake it up, you might shake it to wake it up, but then it would erase its that's, dream. That is that's a, why you forget your dreams when you wake up. That that is a <laughs>
0: that is a fucking one page short story masterpiece <laughs> waiting to happen.
1: Well, that's your next game. So.
0: <laughs> it's going to be a, it's going to be a, uh, a little bit of a departure for Tom. It's going to be a slow, kind of linear, uh, meditation on the internal life of an extra sketch that is in a coma and, um, is dreaming in, in ways it can, it can't
2: possibly fathom. In an is upgradable they... Driver San Francisco coma. Yeah, exactly.
1: Is that why they get video game amnesia when they wake up then? <laughs>
2: Yeah, because you shake them to wake them up. Yeah, you shake them
1: and then they go blank. And you have to reteach it life (laughs) Mm. by drawing.
2: With two dials.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I Uh,
0: I don't know where that bit's going. But where it's arriving is this question from Kane, who writes, Dearest podcast hosts, is there a game you wish you'd played at a different time in your life? And conversely, were there any games that you played at exactly the right time? For me, I wish The Witcher 3 and the recent classic CRPG revival had happened about eight years ago. I've started several of them, but laying siege to their towering text walls always feels like an impossible task these days, because of the investment of mental energy in the time that's required. Eight years ago, I was ravenously consuming every RPG I could put my hands on, and would easily have been able to play all of the ones available today, and still want more. As for games that happened at exactly the right time, late in my first year of university, I walked into somebody's dorm room and saw the GalSiv 2 ship designer, Uh, which is like one of the, like, that's gotta be like top five most life enriching things you can see walking (laughs) into someone's dorm room. (laughs) Um, I tried and failed to get into 4x games before, but now I had four years of lectures and a half to pay attention to and Gal 2 fit very comfortably into the other half and the bus rides home and the time I probably should have spent working on projects that were due in eight hours regards Kane. Hmm. So I, I resonate personally very strongly with his uh, assessment of the current RPG situation mm. um because the, there are just loads of them and they're really good and I'm you know playing Divinity Two at the moment and um you know there's a Pillars sequel coming and I never finished Pillars and really want to and then the other day, a couple of days ago I had this feeling like, ah, oh, I want to replay Baldur's Gate. <laughs> like no Tom, no Chris. No Tom. No Chris. <laughs> I'm Chris. I'm having a Kraken Cromo based kind of meltdown. Um <laughs> And I realized that's not going to happen. So let alone going back and playing games that I missed or, you know, there's, um, there really is just not enough time in the universe now. So I would totally have liked all RPGs to be available between the years, uh, 2002 and 2012. That would have been perfect. Yeah. yeah.
1: But what would you have sacrificed?
0: What would I have sacrificed?
1: Well, I mean, those things would all take a billion squillion hours of progs. So- yeah. I would
0: have just would have messed around less.
1: That's not true, though.
0: That's not true. So. look, <laughs> look, look,
2: don't etch sketch my James. <laughs> my uh, answer to this is also university-based, um, uh, and I sort of think I would be better off if I hadn't discovered Morrowind right in the middle of my degree. <laughs> that was my first Elder Scrolls game, and I... Um, uh, Really hadn't got into RPGs really since Ultima Underworld. Like Ultima mm. Underworld One was my one of my first computer games of any kind, and the, kind of the game that that made me realize games could be worlds and could be amazing. Underworlds, um, even yeah, it could it it could, could be, be the ultimate the regular und- worlds. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and ever since then, I knew there were loads of RPGs and, and Mega. Um, uh you know, classics of the genre uh between Ultra Underworld and um and the Elder scroll series, but uh I never got into them because it was always like they were either turn based or you had a party of people or there's always some level of abstraction that took me away from just like being a person in the world. And I remember seeing a screenshot my own and thinking, oh that was great, but I bet you're like a party of four people or I bet it's turn based, or I bet like when you fire a fireball at someone, there's a dice roll to determine whether it hits and the more I learned about it, I was like, no, you're just one person. And no, it's just like real time. And no, if you fire a fireball at someone and it hits them, it hits them. I was like, oh my God, this is the game I've been waiting for. And, uh, yeah, I got completely obsessed with it. <laughs> <Played> <laughs> it for a ridiculous number of hours. Um, actually, uh, did anyone play Daggerfall? No. That was the one before Morrowind. And like I say, I joined with Morrowind. Um, but if I, if I had played, if I'd known about Daggerfall at the time it came out, I think I would have been hugely into that as well. Cause I saw a streamer playing it recently and it, even today it doesn't, I mean, it looks old, but it doesn't look unplayable. It doesn't have that look of like, um, uh, the sort of super, super early games where, um, like it's still first person, it's still kind of free movement. Um, uh, combat is, you know, rudimentary, but, uh, like it's still real time. You still mm. can punch a dude to death. <laughs> um, and, uh, and also it's like the, the, Map is just insane. It's like the, just the size of the real world <laughs> and cause it's all procedurally generated. Um, uh, and every like square is a town that you can go to. Um, and yeah, that would have blown my mind if i played it at the time. Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah. I played, um, Mass Effect while I was at university. It's one of the only games I did play while I was at university. Mass Effect of Fallout 3 on hol- on breaks from uni. And those are both very kind of mind opening kind of I wanna write about games kind of experiences. Yeah. You probably thread a through line from there to subsequent career slash life direction <laughs> kind of things, right? Um in terms of games that I encountered at exactly the right time. Um Hmm. I might say dota for this. Weirdly. So sometimes I wish sometimes I wish that uh, when I was fifteen my job after school and weekends was uh doing sort of mixed kind of helping out an internet cafe basically like i made sure the computers worked and ran the till and like but my kind of the part of the job that i really liked was i ran the games basement so if you went to an internet cafe in like early two thousand salisbury and there was like a sort of teenager who ran Counter Strike in the 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 cool games basement. That's probably me. And um and we'd run like, you know, land games and things of uh, various things. And I remember and I was doing that when Warcraft 3 came out. And Warcraft 3 was my favourite game and I loved it to pieces. Um but I never like bothered with any of the mods for it. And I sometimes wonder, given that I'm about the same age as like the oldest Dota Pros. <laughs> They're like, what if I'd been one of those people who just gets into Dota All Stars circa 2002, 2003, whenever the fuck it was, and, um, and got super into it and stuck with it for years. So that's maybe an example of like, wish, wish I had played it then rather than later. But, um, <clears throat> I'm kind of glad I got into it when I did because, um, I got into it at a time when, a lot of my sort of friends and peers were also getting into it and also at a time when I had I could express the way my kind of reactions I had like a ready vehicle actually wanted me to write about the game so like it kind of you know it connected like people and me and the game to kind of like an instant kind of community of people kind of writing and talking about the game and it was kind of like a more pleasant experience because of the time when I was discovering it right at the beginning of that game's life as Dota 2 right at the beginning of a load of people having a similar experience making friends and so on through it and so it's kind of like a a perfect storm of things and i kind of appreciate now when and when that's not going to happen basically because people aren't quite all getting into things at the same time and when it does happen it's a really nice thing Mm. that's my take on that nice thing i
2: remember hearing a lot of uh games journalists talk about how great Dark Souls was to play back when it was only games journalists playing it because yeah. it was had a sort of mythical quality where there was no wiki. You could look up the answers to things. And so you had to just talk to individual people and say, yeah. did you ever do this? And how does this work? I think that's
0: why that first generation of people who reviewed it but no one knew what the hell it was was such fierce advocates for it because they had the perfect experience of it. Mm. Similarly, I think that also applies to the people who kind of quote unquote got Destiny 1 despite its flaws immediately after it came <laughs> out tended to become advocates for it because the reviews were very mixed but then it had this end game that was really weird and the raids that were amazing and any sort of people kind of formed an attachment to it which um, again is is one of those kind of like you had to be there things It's maybe a topical thing to say a week before <laughs> Destiny 2 comes out but on PC but yeah uh,
1: I think I would have liked to have i I think it would have been nice if andromeda had come out just after mass effect 3 while i was still sort of had an appetite for (laughs) games of that length or type like because i i found myself in the situation of i really loved the mass effect trilogy and i felt like like i wanted to want to play andromeda but i just didn't and so it would have been quite nice to still have that enthusiasm and and stuff for that for that world and for those mm. you know the those ideas um to actually make the most of that but other than that like i i think it's quite nice to just sort of i don't think i've ever I think when I don't play stuff it's because I'm not really very interested and I tend to find that with a lot of AAA and so and because that's where the the real time sinks are it's I I can usually fit other things in or they've passed their time and they're not interesting in the Mm. same way anymore and so you know it's not like I'm sort of seeking to carve out 50 hours to play a crpg or you know like a you know, AAA is kind of a weird definition at that point, but you know what I mean—like a kind of more traditional big game
3: mm.
1: or a, an event game, I guess is more what I mean. Or you know, a big RPG. Like, I—I I know that The Witcher is highly rated, and there's a lot that interests me about it, but I just haven't found the kernel of wanting to to play it.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's definitely a time of life thing.
1: I just, because I really love indie tiny things, so, you know, then you can pick those up and play Mm. them and and actually slot them in, which is quite nice.
0: Mm. Next up, James writes, dear to the darn acrobat crew, which I think is a Quake and Crowbar anagram, uh, which is very clever, if so, and if it
2: isn't, you made me, you convinced me that it was an anagram and I didn't try. (laughs) i'm a darned craft show is an anagram of my name (laughs) is it (laughs) yep hang
1: on no because chris told us what the anagram for your name was Is
2: it never joth
1: yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) Mm. (laughs) so i don't think that i think one of us doesn't understand how anagrams work.
2: i completely concur (laughs) (laughs)
1: long
0: time listener first time caller Last week you were discussing the inevitable decline of society due to addictive apps, but while I'm undoubtedly, while I've undoubtedly had similar experiences of procrastination, I've also found the game elements of some things to be really beneficial, becoming more active with Fitbit, learning languages with Duolingo, and overcoming social ineptitude with Tinder and Bumble. Are there any game-like apps that have helped you improve as people, or are there any parts of life that you want an app for? Thanks for podding everyone. James, uh, I should note, he puts uh, air quotes around learning and t- in, in the context of learning languages with Duolingo, which I think is completely correct because I too have spent quite a lot of time with Duolingo and, um, I like learning languages, but at the same time, you don't, you sort of, sort of <laughs> learn languages with Duolingo, which I think, so I think, I think scare quotes is about as far as I go in terms of criticizing it. <laughs> but yeah, it certainly tells you how to say we drink because we have to in like three <laughs> different languages. Which is,
2: you know, one of the first things I need, when I go to a new country. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my mom actually uh, got into Duolingo and she is not a gamer at all. Um, uh, but she was explaining to me how the game aspects of it work. And uh, I was amazed at how quickly her mind immediately leapt to how to game it. <laughs> it mm-hmm. was just like straight away. She could tell you how to get the most points and uh, to exploit the systems.
0: Um I also got some a lot of benefit out of Fitbit although I found that Fitbit was most useful for sort of setting uh helping me understand a kind of baseline of like exercise and calorie intake that I I feel like I now have a handle on mm. like I've gotten lazier with like meticulously recording everything and yeah. and so on. Um but I like I know from from weighing myself that that's not how to, like I lost a lot of weight this side this year and I I like And I've regained some of it, but I've sort of not not totally backswung, even though I stopped using the same gadgets. And I think that's just because the the apps and the gadgets were helpful to kind of set a new set of expectations for me personally. And I don't feel the need to kind of still religiously stick to them. Those are my kinds of apps, I think, really. I don't want something that I have to have every single day forever or else I'll lose that thing. I want something that will help me learn through repetition and then let me go, like Lassie.
2: I had the same thing with... um... Like a thinner Lassie. (laughs) Uh, Lassie gets increasingly thin The further away she runs Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah It's like I, a kind of
0: Weight Doppler <laughs> I That's another thing with... with She gets
1: really fat As she runs past you But then gets really
0: thin As <laughs> she gets further away She yeah. turns blue <laughs> Like God. The panting gets more intense And and strained <laughs> This is a so weird She kind of sounds blue. funny as well yeah, like, <laughs> What's that
2: Lassie? <laughs> no, I genuinely didn't hear Because the Doppler effect <laughs> Yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <laughs> It, like, full stop. <laughs> stop and then repeat it. <laughs> Call me later. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, god. <laughs> um. Yeah. What I, what I was going to say. Was, uh, <laughs> uh, I used a calorie counting app for a while, and I had basically the same experience, which is like it was really informative and useful. Um, and I used it for about two months, and then you know the first month was all like discovering. Oh my god, that thing is like really bad for me and <laughs> not that great anyway um and this other thing is like, like really delicious and totally fine nutritionally um and then after a month of doing that you kind of you discovered all the things you're going to discover and yeah. uh you really kind of you settled into a good rhythm and then you don't really need to be counting it like i just got to the point where I'm like i'm counting up every day getting yeah. the same results well, you know exactly the, the same thing you like well,
0: wow wow is really bad <laughs> but i love pizza and that's it <laughs> the personal Little set loyalty missions I need to go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Incidentally, um, I'm sorry I can't hear you because of Doppler lassie. Is it a perfect example of a duolingo
2: kind of boss stage <laughs> translation <laughs> task? Um, <laughs> if you can't say that in Spanish, you don't know Spanish. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, in terms of like, apps i wish existed i don't know really like i use to-do lists extensively i'm a i'm a real list maker uh because otherwise i forget things mm-hmm. and um <laughs> which is something i said for pip's benefit which is why she's giggling now <laughs> um but that's not really like apps. That's just a a digital thing that takes over for writing things down on a piece of paper and makes certain things easier to remember, like auto-populating lists. So a fun thing for me, I made my own spreadsheet for being a freelancer, which I think was a good thing. And it's helped make my life more pleasant and manageable now that I'm Mm -hmm. working for myself. Um, But I don't need an app for that. I find that those sorts of things like where I can make my own tool, I would far, far rather make it myself and, make something that specifically addresses the life need I have, which is like, because there are, if you Google or whatever, you will find a, a or app store search, you'll find a million apps you to do anything. But when it's an imperfect match, I find that very frustrating. Yeah. And I don't want to change my life <laughs> to fit a nicely made app. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's a real edge case.
2: That's why I made Tom's timer, which is that thing. I Oh, of course. Yeah. Like it just takes away in your taskbar and tells you how many minutes you've since you last clicked it, mm-hmm. and then you click it when you want to reset uh i have been using that lately um and yeah, it's um taking a five minute break every half an hour is quite a good thing i mm. my kitchen got really fucking clean <laughs> when I started doing that. I don't like if it's a five minute break from screens i got nothing <laughs> like i'm just gonna tidy my house that's the only other thing i know how to do <laughs> yeah
0: that, thank god for painting for me basically like <laughs> a different way to procrastinate
2: podcast is the other thing but like i still never really just sit there on this indoor podcast and you're yeah. doing something else as well yeah um getting siri to put podcasts on
0: is definitely like the sign that i'm cleaning <laughs> any apps you particularly gotten mileage out of pip
1: I don't know. I mean, like, possibly not in reference to the question. I mean, I use my Fitbit and stuff, but that's more just as a kind of, like, because I don't use all of it, and I don't really follow it in a kind of religious, like, uh, you know, in a kind of obsessive or even particularly useful way. I just sort of have it on me, and if it buzzes to say I've met my step goal, that's nice, but... Mm. I'm sort of, I'm just letting it passively collect data, I guess, in case I want to, in case there is something in that. Mm. But I I don't know. I think maybe it's just different life experiences. And, you know, obviously uh, there's a certain amount of sort of media, um, I guess, bias in terms of what magazines aimed at teenage girls will cover so mm. things like the amount of exercise you need to do to burn a certain number of calories is things that has been ingrained in me for, for possibly a lot longer or you know um how uh, how many calories are in a particular thing mm. like women's magazines love a food swap Like, it's kind of like, here's what you can substitute a chocolate bar for, you know, if you want to have a sneaky treat, but still lose, you know, lose weight. And it's like, you know, like, two squares of dark chocolate, because blah, 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 like, you know, they'll insert some, like, science or whatever. and Or, you know, like, why not have a slice of apple covered in peanut butter? (laughs) It's like what a treat (laughs) (laughs) things like that like you know and i'm not i don't want to like do down the people who might find that stuff genuinely useful or like struggle with treats or whatever
2: a handful of nuts
1: Exactly. Yeah. I'm always bringing like, a
2: handful of nuts in it. I'm always like, I yeah, happily substitute, but not
1: too many because nuts are actually really dense in terms of the <laughs> like they they actually give you a surprising number of calories. And so blah blah blah. And like everything
2: stuff. that's promoted to me is, like good fats oh, um, yeah. is something I would happily substitute some of the lean things I eat for, <laughs> but I would not substitute any of the bad fats I eat for that. Like, a handful of nuts is not a substitute for a chocolate.
1: but yeah so like i think that might be one of those things where like i use it because it's kind of useful to augment some of the things that i do but i don't think it's been educational in the same way just because of Mm. you know that's how that stuff works and i've never like i think i've used things like duolingo but not that particular thing Mm. but i you know i mostly just have actual like um what is it like uh game apps or I have, you know, photography stuff or drawing stuff Mm. or, you know, like that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. like, yeah I've never really been into, like, Foursquare or anything like that Mm. can't think of no, maybe Google Maps, because it does that thing where you can actually just type now, like, restaurants near me or something and it'll just throw up a bunch of suggestions Mm. and that's been actually useful a few times
2: I heard someone say that, um, for them, Google Maps is now showing calorie counts. So oh, say, w- oh, no. <laughs> if be I off walk that here, <laughs> like, you know, you can take a taxi or if you walk, it will, you'll burn like fucking 15 calories. <laughs> I mean, that's the depressing thing is that exercise calorie counts are always really like mm. sadly low.
1: I think that's the thing is like, it's quite, I, that stuff is, can be quite intrusive. So I, that concerns me. I'd want to need to ask for that like rather than it being a thing that suddenly flashes onto my phone i know it does the the price thing like it'll tell me how much a thing will Mm. probably cost relatively but yeah like i think i i really think that pushing the amount of calories something costs in people's faces is dangerous like really dangerous (laughs)
2: you just walked to canada it would have like five hundred thousand calories
1: Well, this is the thing, like, I think, you know, like, you put calorie counts on food and then, anyway, this is a separate rant, I I won't go down that rabbit hole, but anyway. mm.
0: Uh, Next is James, oh, no, it's not, it's Michael, (laughs) who writes, and it's getting confusing, I thought it was James, it's actually Michael, Michael writes, dear beer boxes and bird boozers, why are plot missions? Love the show, Steve. Michael. P.S. For Halloween, will Heat Signatures Skeleton Crews be actual Skeletons? And what does Tom F. have against undead employees anyway? <laughs> yeah, Tom F.
1: The cadence to- that you put on Love the Show, Steve, is was interesting. I just. <laughs> Super so there's interesting. a lot Steve to unpack
2: in this question. <laughs> It's a praiseworthy short question. Um, you know, we like short questions. Yeah, but, forward. there's also a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Yes,
1: this is positive reinforcement for the short questions. <laughs> yeah.
0: which is not to say that a long question can't be great, but it is. Uh, as I have said, I think a couple of episodes ago, much more likely that we'll we'll read out your question if that's, if that's what uh, you would like when Especially you write to us. Especially
1: if we've been droning on a while. Yeah. Um, if if it's so,
0: if it's snappy.
2: Um. Because God knows we're not. I can explain the heat signature skeletons thing. Uh, that is a reference to the fact that if a ship on, in a heat signature mission has a, uh, small crew, there is a note about it saying, uh, this ship is running a skeleton crew, few guards, not skeleton guards. Um, and so this questioner is suggesting that we make them skeleton guards. All it's I can say- It's a really say, good idea, Tom. It's a good idea. <laughs> That's all I'll say.
0: <laughs> it's funny that you think that the phrase skeleton key is not like a really small, barely necessary key, is it? Yeah.
2: It's a very useful key.
0: Yeah. It's an om- like... Opens them all. So in that context, a skeleton is the most useful thing in the world. And I would, I would posit, <laughs> I would posit a skeleton is one of the most useful things to
2: have. I can't get better that mine. I've tried. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I wonder where Skeleton Key comes from. I'll look that up. Yeah.
2: Then. There's a really good song by Dessa called Skeleton Key. Hmm.
1: Cause maybe it's kind of like, at the core of all keys, there's like a fundamental building block.
2: <laughs> it's of, just a rod. <laughs> <you know? laughs> if I had to extrapolate the thing, all keys share, it's
0: just that rod part. <laughs> is, sorry, for some reason. No, that's a dumb. Why did my mind go there? For some reason, my mind went to the phrase bar am root you from babe sheep pig. <laughs> the phrase that allows him to control all sheep. <laughs> the skeleton the key. The skeleton sheep. sheep. <laughs> Um,
1: so it's just a sheep hack
0: <laughs> Yes
1: So it's not, you're not jamming it into a sheep Are you?
0: <laughs> oh, jamming
2: <laughs> it into their ears Pip like. phrase of the week everybody <laughs> oh. If it doesn't work You can just put your glowing blue hand On their face and then they work oh, for yeah. That's, Oh, would, How amazing uh, to, would it be ch- oh, a cheese sandwich. Um, sandwich.
0: How amazing would it be if, if like, Talion leans into an Uruk and says like, bah, <laughs> <am you."> <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: And then they wear, then they win the sheep herding competition. Oh
2: my god. The, the best Uruk herder Is that in the, the
0: world.
1: Plot of babe?
0: Yeah, have you not seen Babe?
1: You, no, I haven't. And then you were like, we should watch it. And now you've just spoiled it.
0: That's not, that's, that's not a Babe spoiler. Yeah.
2: Not they really.
1: win the sheep, sheeping contest.
2: <laughs> if, if you're not clear on that from the first like 20 minutes of Babe you're not following Oh,
0: I'm sorry I didn't, yeah I, I, yeah I thought it was Blade Runner you hadn't seen but I guess it's both it's Babe Runner it's Babe Runner Blade babe <laughs> Runner Pig in the City
1: we had this whole conversation
3: Babe Runner Pig in 2049
1: <laughs> you should have added this to one of your lists
0: oh I actually want to make in babe pens Runner. interlinked
2: interlinked yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's just a goose in it called Ryan, <laughs> a little goose. Um. Anyway. Uh,
1: oh, we didn't answer.
0: What? Are, why are plot missions? Was the question?
2: Yeah. For campaign. I don't know. There are people who like them, I guess. People who want story and missions and need those two things to be combined. <laughs>
1: um it depends how you want to tell a story through the interactive really, medium
2: yeah it's, it's the
0: <laughs> pip i love scale of one to completely fucking checked out how checked out do you feel right now
1: <laughs> i'm so tired I <laughs> <seven days. laughs> sleep now well no but i mean it feels a bit like without an actual like We have entirely praised the brevity of this question, but it also now feels like I'm struggling to hook it into... Because obviously some games do use plot missions in interesting ways, or that's a a logical way for them to tell their story. And then sometimes they feel entirely ridiculous or like repetitive or bad or not well thought out or whatever and so it's kind of i don't know how
0: to answer this because yeah i mean to be honest they're good when they're good and they're bad and they're, bad. And they're a little yeah. bit in between
2: in shadow of war um the problem is not that there's a that they're plot related um it's that they want to script things and they want to they have a movie scene to tell and they want you to play it and those two things don't go well together. And mm. so when you try things that they didn't anticipate in the movie scene, they cancel the mission and fail you and che- set you back to a checkpoint, which is just bullshit and terrible. I think um, that's the worst and you thing. And you can just make... It's less cinematic, but you can just have a plot reason for you to be doing a game thing. Mm. The game thing is to kill an orc. It doesn't fucking matter how I do it. I can just use the entire world to my advantage. I can use every skill in the entire game. There's no restrictions on that. And so all you need is to write a, a plot that involves killing a series of orcs. <laughs> and your game is perfectly almost, set up. To it's almost them. like,
0: in order to avoid some form of uh a, a disharmony...
2: <laughs> some sort of yeah. disconnect between... Yeah, like a, a
0: dis-something. Dis- <laughs> I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, you need to match your narrative to your... Ge- oh, I say match your story <laughs> to your game. Yeah. Um, to avoid... Game story, bad times. <laughs> um, otherwise you end up with the game story of bad times and that's, no one likes that.
2: Nope.
0: Uh, I mean I guess there's a broader point here about the critical path, about having a game, not just plot stuff, but having games that fluctuate in terms of, um, making you do something, like taking away power basically, like games can start narrow because they're teaching you and then open up but then they most of the time it's unsatisfactory to then have them close again unless you have a really spectacular plot reason for doing that. And that's the experience that the player is genuinely up for, right? Is having their power taken away as well as given to them. Um, And often these narrowing of games into plot missions is um, framed by giving the player more power that they can only have temporarily. Like, we're going to give you a tank for a bit, or we're going to give you a big monster to ride around on for a bit to do a plot thing. But that is in itself unsatisfactory because you're not expanding your power set within the sandbox of the rest of the game. Depends on context. I'm thinking primarily of open world games here where they kind of give you a toy for a bit and then take it away again and then, you know.
1: I think one of...
0: Don't do a bad game is what I'm saying.
1: I think one of the things that just, that I find really frustrating is when it's like when there's that tension between (laughs) When the game designers clearly wanted you to play a certain way, but then gave you just enough freedom that you could sort of chafe at the edges of that. Mm. And so it's kind Mm. of like, they clearly kind of want you to perform it in the way that they've envisioned. But like, if you just happen to not be that person, or if you chafe against that, because their story isn't very good or something, you know, like I'm not going to call anyone out cause mm. you know, it's more of a general thing that you'll sort of find every now and again. And it's not necessarily true the entire way through a game either, but like, I think that's the part that really bugs me about plot missions is it's kind of like, look, you either wanted this to be a cutscene, and I am your audience or you let me play. You, you cannot successfully do both. Mm. And you know, it's at that point when it's like, you know, you, when you've got the, the, you know, the, the quest giver constantly popping up in your UI, just being like, Hey, it's over here. What's that? You know, like, why are you going over there? Have you mentioned the main quest anytime soon? Cause uh, we should probably be getting on with that one or, you know, it's like, Oh, for God's sake, either let me play or don't.
0: <laughs> Quite so. Or else you risk the story game bad, bad times. times next a person writes dear crate and crow pears you've landed i should stress a person on the internet i shortened it to a person but i knew who i meant what i meant was a person on the internet writes dear crate and crow pears, you've landed on Plunkbat island but there's not a weapon in sight everything's been replaced with fruits and vegetables which fruit and or veggie would you wield as a weapon and why? Thanks for all the delicious pod, delicious potatoes. You're all sublime. Cheers, a person on the internet.
2: So there's that movie with Clive Owen where he uses <laughs> a carrot a lot as a weapon. Uh is it called shooter or oh, shoot 'em up, shoot 'em up. It's called mm. shoot 'em up. Um, it's a misleading self, what the movie seems to He does shoot people as well, but the carrot is also a, a good melee weapon for him. Um, <laughs> kills several people with that. And if it's good enough for Clive-O. Would... Can I have a coconut? Is that allowed? Yeah, you can use? have a coconut. Okay, thanks. It's a, it's a nut, <laughs> I think. It is a nut, but he didn't he, didn't he say fruit or vegetables? Yeah, that's true.
0: Are oh, nuts either of those things? <laughs> I've never been clear. Pip, do you know? No. I thought they were They're like... Not.
1: They're
2: nuts. Is They're it, nuts. Consider, consider the peach. <laughs> 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 I feel like the thing in the middle of a peach and an almond are very similar.
1: You actually can use um, peach uh, shells, I believe, to make amaretto. I mean, um, ah. like discerono and stuff. So actually, cause I was checking on it for my sister because she needed to know if it had nuts in (laughs) her you need to make amaretto
2: in a very (laughs) Um, (laughs) very stringent situation I'll just make a weird amaretto and drink that (laughs) and use that to forget the pain of the fact that I don't have a coconut (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm just thinking a coconut is like the hardest thing I can think of that fits into that whole like I obviously smaller nuts also are hard but they're not they don't really have the mass
0: (laughs) to inflict real damage what percentage of the population has a serious nut allergy
2: Um, um I don't. No, I don't know. I don't know why I'm acting like I'm thinking. No amount of self-reflection is going to solve this for me. (laughs) Just, you know, (laughs) 5.8%.
0: Just thinking in terms of the lethality of a vegetable. You'd have to get them to
2: consume it, right?
0: Yeah, but I'm saying that's probably going to be easier than killing someone with a How many people do you think (laughs) that
1: I have met? In your life? Yeah. Thousands, maybe.
0: At least 25.
1: 25 people. Yeah. I'm just thinking because I know two people with serious, not allergies.
0: Okay, so then we've established one in twelve. No. Um <laughs> no. I'm yeah. just thinking
1: in terms of like I don't know. Yeah, maybe like, it's too
0: rare to be used for plunk bag weapon. Okay. Also, we just established that so these like, were out. Of, also, of actual fruits
1: tend not to be the like the the major allergy kind of cause it. No, it, no like, I wasn't thinking
2: of causing allergies things. with them. I was going to hit people with them. I think
1: that's where Chris was going. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's where I was going with it. Well, with the question was. It, if you can have death. all nuts, then yeah, other nuts. All nuts. <laughs> because if like if you are gonna do the allergy method, I think a smaller nut is actually because you wanna like you'd shell it yourself and then you'd try and shove oh, it. Oh yeah, out. for
0: sure. You go with peanuts, right? Um
1: Well you wouldn't yep. you just um you'd you'd um Maybe pass it through a cremulator and then like, just throw the dust in someone's
0: face. You also but need anyway. to find a cremulator. Just like that is rarer than if you a 4X have one go. of those. Anyway, Do you want to kill someone with a cremulator?
1: Well, no, because you're putting bits of person in it. Would take a while, and also it's probably not like set up to take you know like wet <laughs> wet matter, <laughs> wet
2: tissue.
1: <laughs> you know, So you're
2: putting be wet post, matter.
1: You know, it's, uh, anyway. <laughs>
2: Uh, but- of the actual fruits and vegetables, um, so fruits, pineapple seems most offensive, or maybe mango. Mango's a very, like, leathery skin. It's quite mm-hmm. hard to reach the skin of a mango, but it doesn't have a lot of solid mass, unless it's very unripe. I guess, like, really unripe fruits are going to do better.
1: Well, that's basically just throwing a rock, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh any of these fruits versus a potato is pretty solid.
1: And also a potato isn't going to go soft in the way that fruit does.
2: Yeah, depending on how long this fight lasts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just thinking. Like, especially if you've got bananas in the mix, they kind of cause other fruit to ripen faster as well.
2: So. <laughs> if you're carrying an arsenal of pineapples and, and uh mangoes, don't also put a bunch of bananas at the super ripen mm. them.
0: I would have a durian. Because those oh. things
2: smell fucking disgusting. Hey, what about avocado? Not for the whole fruit, but you take the stone out. Stone is pretty big. Well, is so a mango rock stone. Rock solid. Yeah. And mango it's stone also is like, kind of sharper, like sharper, isn't it? Yeah. yeah,
1: and it's kind of yeah, it's more like a frisbee, so you could really like, <laughs> well we, mess with someone.
0: We were asked to pick one.
1: Well, I'm not picking one. okay
0: okay (laughs) that's fine just not (laughs) i'm leaving No, i'm
1: not picking one i'm gonna pick a few (laughs) because as somebody who used to work in an exotic fruit and veg shop of course obviously um i would probably pick maybe something like i was thinking about prickly pears because they're Uh, technically bits of of a cactus can we just have a whole cactus Well, no, because... So the prickly pears are really painful for you personally to pick up. I used to have to wear gloves when handling quite Mm -hmm. a lot of them because, like, the little spines would break off and get stuck in your skin, kind of like splinters, but really, really sharp. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, I was thinking that I would attach some of those by the prickles into a cucumber... (laughs) and turn it into what's one of those club. things like a mace like mm. a spiked club yep. or like a baseball bat with nails in it you know it's like that's yep. the basic principle <laughs> you hate cucumber work here. so i can still bend it to my will <laughs> like i'm
2: not Don't eating bend it, it. You want
1: to be straight. like why would i eat it it's my weapon
2: is a loofah as uh, fruit or vegetable
1: <laughs> no it's a plant it's an animal isn't it like a sponge oh god is
2: it not vegetarian
1: oh wait no but, uh, like it is a uh, yeah it's a plant isn't it sorry
2: is the coral reef vegetarian If no. I eat the coral reef <laughs>
1: <laughs> no they are creatures I can't believe
2: you ate the great barrier reef <laughs>
0: Successive the signature has gone to your head. <laughs> Do
2: you know what? I'm going to start by on... saying this is not my first concern, but one of my concerns is. <laughs> I've <Chris, laughs> accidentally. Is me, this, in this vegetarian? <laughs> Chris, could
1: you check on not the loofah situation? I'm not a vegetarian
2: no. So That's one of the reasons it's not my first concern. <laughs>
1: hmm? Could you check on the loofah
0: situation? I, no. I'm, I'm
1: interested. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, sorry. I'll look it up
0: afterwards. <laughs> yeah.
1: I just thought it might be interesting. People could It's like, left learn as an a
0: exercise. I just region. don't want to have to attempt to spell it.
1: L o o f a h.
0: Hmm. That's how I respond. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have got that right. Um, I would have spelled in- it like Ryan Johnson's film, but with a h, not a, a P-H. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'll check it on my phone, and you know that will make the noise. <laughs> exactly. It's where you um, yeah, you encounter like a different version of yourself that has a loofer I don't know. <laughs> I
2: don't have a punchline here. If
1: you won't look it up, I'm going to check on my phone, and that might make the noise.
2: That's fine. Bruce Willis just scratching I I wanna say the other guy's name, but I can't remember the other guy's name. Um Third Rock from the Sun kid. Third from the Gordon Sun mate. Levitt. Yes. yes. Joseph I can't only say Jason, maybe that wasn't right.
1: Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. no. There apparently are a genus of tropical and subtropical vines in the cucumber family. Right. Oh wow.
2: in the cucumber family. Okay, really? I feel like that's allowed in vegetables.
1: Yeah, but what damage are you gonna do with a loofah?
2: Oh, I hadn't thought that far ahead. Right. <laughs> no, it was to put your prickly pear on. I was thinking something better than a cucumber. I, I just imagine this cucumber uh, breaking as soon as you swipe with it.
1: Yeah. What, I'd want something with a bit of give or like... Mm.
2: Luffa's pretty rigid, like you can... I have, I like, I, I feel like I've swung on Luffa in anger. <laughs> so- not with a load bearing <laughs>
0: so
1: payload
2: brussels at the end sprouts. and not with lethal intent.
1: Brussels sprouts actually come on, um, like big long, quite thick stalks.
2: They do, yeah. So That's true. maybe I could get. Even one broccoli of those has a bit of a stem and... to it.
1: Yeah, but like, I, yeah. <laughs> Broccoli's
2: same more of a close range. Of- <laughs> <laughs> the of the same brussels sprouts <laughs> longer range. They're the same plant.
0: <laughs> are they? Broccoli, kale, cauliflower, brussels sprouts are all different mutations of the same thing. Hmm. Is that not true?
1: I don't think that's true. I think they're
0: part <laughs> it's an interesting of the family. Not <laughs> it's not a. I'm pretty sure they're...
1: Kale and cauliflower are not like they're not. I. They're probably like they I think they might all just be like part of the. Um... Let's like, say they're all cruciferous, aren't they? I'm... No, wait, they're not. No,
0: no. Okay.
2: Well, whenever I eat broccoli, I like to imagine it's just a very soft tree.
0: What, is bamboo a fruit?
2: This question is broadcast.
0: Basically, I think what I would do is I'd take a single apple, and then I would plant that apple in the soft earth. And then <laughs> How I would, long of a Plunk Bag game is this? It's like? a long fucking punk Bag game. And then I would start my own life in, <laughs> on Punk Bag Island. I'd hide during the day and come out at night to water and nurture my apple tree and then over the course of years presumably when we get back to final couple and obviously if the blue circle isn't around my apple tree <laughs> it's kind of oh fun. boy am I fucked well if it's not around my apple tree I'm just gonna go screaming naked into the wilderness and try to beat people to death as God intended in Plunk Bad but you know if we get to that point whatever um, and then when the tree grows I will fell the tree and from the wood of the tree craft a crossbow
2: <laughs> <laughs> doesn't need to be an apple tree are you going to use the pips of cyanide for the poison of the bolt? That's a great idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then we. All my... right. Am I right?
1: They're all the same species, different cultivars. Apparently. Wow,
0: fucking, mm. Mm. and they're mm. all soft. That's trees. cauliflower facts. But they, I mean, they
1: are all they are all um, cruciferous. But yeah, they are all Brassica oleracea, I believe is how you maybe pronounce that I want to give
0: maybe. a shout out to my boy fellow Chris, Chris Higgins who pointed that out on Twitter the other day <laughs> and I was Good taking content. a little gamble then on him not making that up
1: <laughs> that's really cool, well done that's awesome,
0: yeah alright better believe it, well, that's a real broccoli fact, I can't deny interested. it you tried you hated and
2: you were wrong
3: I think bamboo is not a fruit, uh,
2: not, not because the plant cannot produce fruit, but just because the thing that we refer to as bamboo is like the, the trunk, basically. It's like the, basically what can you make a spear out of it. is my kind of, yeah, yeah thinking, it would be yeah. good. I mean, yeah, so what, yeah, it comes down to like the, the borderline between, cause if you have like an apple, often there's the stalk attached to it. That bit's a little bit hard. I'm not saying you kill someone with just that, but, uh, I think Pip's Brussels sprouts suggestion is a good loophole where, like, the hard bit of the plant is kind of included in the Brussels sprouts sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Don't boil it, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> You're undermining your advantage there. <laughs> just pissing it away. <laughs> For the sake of slightly better Brussels sprouts. Oh, God. I genuinely can't believe how much mileage we've got in this
0: <laughs> That has almost nothing to it's do with It's a good question PC because again.
2: there's no obviously good answer. Yeah, it is, yeah.
1: Huh. I've also just looked up Nuts. To be um, carrots
2: are not looking that bad to me, after all. <laughs> so yeah, I was just, really just, just thinking exactly that.
1: And Wikipedia, actually, I mean, you know, you might want to double-check this. Parsnip could work. Says, um, a nut is a fruit composed of an inedible hard shell and what? a seed which is generally edible. I thought
2: that was the case. So
1: huh. That's interesting.
2: That's great. I can have my coconut. Yeah. I'm sticking to my coconut. Because even if... Like, I'd break it on the first enemy, and then afterwards I'd use the shards to, like... To pretend to be a horse <laughs> and threaten people. No, it's not going to break cleanly okay. in two.
0: You can kill me, but the cavalry's
2: coming. <laughs> I can see you doing that. <laughs> I'm just going to beat you with my Brussels sprout stalk until you stop doing that.
0: Oh, dear. Um, That, well, that is all the questions... We have time for, mm. <laughs> apparently. Um, it's actually quite a lot more time than we thought we had for questions. <laughs> it turns out some things just get you going. Those things are fruit and vegetables. Pip? Yes. Hi.
1: I am listening. Okay. I was also just looking at pictures of nuts. I mean, no. Was-
2: hey! <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh. You didn't have to explain yourself.
1: I mean, like, biological pictures of-
2: No, no, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Like, yeah, diagrams... Save of,
2: failed. Of,
1: of, like, of the food stuff, slash actual, like, non-testicular <laughs> nut. Oh! <laughs> Why? <What? laughs> I was listening as well. I was, oh, this is the worst why does this happen
0: if you'd like to send us a question for a future episode you can do so by emailing us the questions at com. if you would like to hang out with our community you could do so on discord link to our discord channel will be in the show notes and on our website creightoncrowbar.com and the top bar thing where what where the discord lives the podcast can also be found on youtube along with our spin-off series Blah blah bon. oh, blah blah <laughs> sorry pip just done a face <laughs>
3: <laughs> Why? Oh. Um,
0: on uh, youtube.com forward slash creating crowbar. Uh, the, blah, 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 The podcast and its spin-offs are very kindly supported by our Patreon backers. Uh, huge thank you to everyone who does back us on Patreon. Your support lets us kind of do more pod stuff, including some stuff I'll get onto very briefly. But if you'd like to find out more about our Patreon, you can do so patreon.com forward slash creating crowbar uh pip and i this week pip's waving for god's <laughs>
1: sake i'm trying to find ways to communicate that i'm paying attention without you like drawing attention. i thought you were
0: waving to our listeners
1: no i was like i was doing a kind of a hello i'm listening kind
0: of <laughs> Ahoy. You know, I, yes <laughs> in many cases that could be a given but not here um <laughs> Uh, this week we started a fun little spin-off, which is called Little Grey Cells, which is, uh, Pip and I's podcast about Poirot.
2: What, may I ask, is the origin of the title?
0: Uh, Poirot is always referring to his Little Grey Cells. Ah, I see. Uh, you know, he, he, they are working or they are not, depending on his status in (laughs) assembling people into a drawing room to identify murderers. Um, but yes, so we've done it. We're going to do a, a, a little podcast for every episode of Poirot, the ITV. Adaptations thereof a specifically. A
2: podcast.
0: A podcast. That was the other name we rejected um, <laughs> for good reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously it's a little bit of a departure from our gaming norms, uh, but I hope you enjoy. it I think it's fun, and and we had fun making it, and we'll do more of them, won't we, Pip?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Tom uh might be on.
0: Yeah, might join us for a hmm. little pyro chat because
2: I, I love him. <laughs>
1: We could have Belgian waffles with our Belgian waffles. Oh my god!
2: I have. Oh, that's pretty good. I know. I have, I have French waffles. What are the like the ones that are just uh really compact and have syrup in between? Already? Oh, the like, stroopwaffles. Like, stroopwaffles. I have stroopwaffles. Does that so that's any help? Swiss. I feel like Dutch, no, Dutch. 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 The ones I have are from France, but I think it's a Dutch invention. <laughs> Doesn't help with Belgian at all. <laughs> no. It's just, is just looking at it, as just nonplussed. <laughs> exactly.
1: i like, are they D- They are Dutch, aren't they? I think they're like, Dutch. They Dutch. I first
0: had them in Holland. Uh, yeah. Everyone remembers when they first had a Stroopwafel.
2: Uh, but that name sounds very Dutch, doesn't it? Stroopwafel. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yes.
0: Write <laughs> in. Tell us. Where the fuck is a Stroopwafel from? Something we could easily Google, but haven't. Um, not that far from <laughs> <laughs> Tom! <laughs> It is... All which of is, the letters are different.
2: Just in terms of phonetics.
1: <laughs> what was the... What did he say?
3: He
2: Luftwaffe. Said, which I know is German. What? Stroopwaffe. Well, Luftwaffe.
1: What, did you think that Luftwaffe I I meant waffle or something?
2: No, it wasn't, it wasn't supporting evidence for it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like that there was just somebody, like, high up, waving some waffles in the air as if they were making plane noises.
0: We have to... We have to somehow find a way of landing this podcast from that. <laughs> what with your
1: fucking
2: Luftwaffles? <laughs> no, we're not getting onto Luftwaffle. How Ninety-nine you... Luftwaffles, the classic song by Naina. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my god, this is I'm so. Naina Nainzig Luftwaffle.
0: <laughs> what? What are we talking about? How did we get here? I
2: was Poirot. It's all logical. Poirot. Poirot.
0: Poirot. We're doing a podcast about. Poirot We're doing now. a
1: podcast
0: about Poirot. Also. I genuinely don't know where I was in this outro. I, uh,
1: if you want to follow oh. us on...
0: oh No, there's something I wanted to say. Right. And maybe this is the wrong time to say it, honestly.
1: Are you leaving?
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck what, this. What? That's, the,
2: that's the right time to say it. <laughs>
0: no, oh. uh, I, uh, I wanted to say, because it occurred to me that... Um, we haven't said this in a while, but if you like the podcast, God help you, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh so uh any reviews or ratings you leave on iTunes are genuinely very useful for uh making us appear to people when they look for podcasts about games. Uh it is that simple. And so if you do like the podcast and you haven't left a review and you use iTunes as your podcatcher, um then uh that's really appreciated. Obviously, you know, uh if you choose not to, that's fine as well. But just thought I'd say it because other podcasts say it and I just realized why it's important. <laughs>
1: Um, it- Like, rate, subscribe
0: No Follow Don't worry about that Don't do those things If you'd like to follow us on Twitter though
1: You have just run through all of the ways that people can do the thing that I just said
0: Well yeah, but you made it sound skeezy
1: I was trying to make it sound soothing and professional Oh That's upsetting <laughs> <laughs> Why is this like has gone so badly for me you can follow us on Twitter at Creighton Crowbar
0: we already established that what if you wanted to follow us as individuals Pip
1: No, how is, well <laughs> how would someone follow you oh maybe they shouldn't
2: they're going to be picking favourites after this
1: <laughs> Ugh. at Philippa War <laughs> how
0: do you spell
2: that
1: philippawa
0: damn skippy Tom uh, I am at Pentadact on Twitter p-e-n-t-a-d-a-c-t Perfect. And I'm on at C Thurston. That's C-T-H-U-R-S-T-E-N.
1: Have you got a Halloween name?
0: No. No. Okay.
1: It's fine. We're done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the p- do you?
1: No. I mean, Neither no, do I. could be Philip War. We're just a War. bunch of regular folks. What would it you know? be
0: if you did?
1: Well, I said Philip of War, you know, like as in. Hmm.
2: I so think I- I'd
0: go for like Crypt Tombstone.
2: In uh, the past, yeah. I think I've done one like, but I owned it on like Halloween Day itself, mm. uh, which is a waste of time because no one notices it then. Um And I've never really had a good one, but this year I realised I've gone with like versions of Tomb, right for mm. Tom. You but, could
1: be Tom Frankenstein's.
3: Yeah,
2: Frankenstein for the surname. Uh But this year I realised I could have done Skeleton, <laughs> 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 which frankly is better than Tomb for the first name. <laughs> I still haven't, but
0: no. Uh, Nor. There it is. Might we? No.
1: Uh, Anyway. Anyway.
0: Anyway. Anyway. Let's just draw
1: a veil over this.
0: Indeed. Let's just slowly drag a sheet over this fractal tangent (laughs) and say. Balm it. What?
1: Could embalm it and upload it and then everyone, (laughs) like, to to bring it back to the, you know, a mortician's tale Mm. as a kind of game of the week. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Shove it in the cremulator. I'm adding. (laughs) Shove
0: it in your cremulator. It's time to end the podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to look at pictures of nuts. (laughs) 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 Goodbye.
3: Thanks for listening, everybody.
2: (laughs) God knows you earned it. (laughs) Wah, wah,
3: wah, wah.